This is Rolling Rocks Radio with Jerry Armentrout, Cody Carter, and Scott Barker. Welcome to another edition of Rolling Rocks Radio, the podcast where we talk about Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, mixed martial arts, and anything else we find entertaining. He's Jerry Armentrout. I'm Scott Barker. Welcome to today's show. So, Jerry, it's been a couple weeks since we made it in here um, between... Um, and kind of crazy weekend two weeks ago, and then uh, I ended up getting COVID again. Yeah, we, Biden pox. Um, yeah, we we tried to we talked about doing it via Zoom or doing a solo, but we ended up deciding you know it's not a big you know hit if we go every you know if we skip a couple weeks because we do have lives people and this is not our career, and y'all know that this is fun and we love our we love our listeners, but. Sometimes it's cool. It's better when we do them together because when we do that solo, people like them, but they're they're just not as cool as having that. Yeah, that that, that back face and forth. Face. Yeah. So before we get started talking about the fights, and, and we talked about this at lunch the other day, I don't think we've had um, a week where we've had so much to talk about in the in yeah. the fight sport. Yeah. But before we get started with that, Jerry, how about you give us an update on the uh, on the old leg because you've had a pretty good week. So why don't you tell the fam about that? All right. So I was a little disappointed uh, my last doctor's appointment because I was actually expecting to go back to work, but that didn't happen. Uh, the surgeon kind of laughed at me. Uh, so I had to do just over a week and a half of uh, 50% weight on my foot, still using my walker and my boot and then started this friday i went back to wearing a shoe for the first time in over two months and started walking on it and then yesterday saturday i got up and went for a walk um covered about a mile and a half uh so i'm back to walking i go back to the surgeon the end of the month and he's going to release me back to work. He's going to release me to rehab. So, because apparently I have to strengthen the muscles before I even before I can even really start rehab. Because you know, there's no point trying to do rehab if my leg can't support me. Yeah. And I'm finding that out. That <laughs> I thought I could go back to work, and I'm kind of glad the surgeon told me no, because <clears throat> it it definitely is uh, difficult learning to walk again after being off of it for two months and. The atrophy is real. Yeah, that's a that's a real thing. I had you know I had baby leg after yeah. my ACL surgery, and I think what you got baby foot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well I got calf, the calf and the foot. The foot, it's weird because I mean I'm a I'm I'm on my feet all day at my job. I walk a lot. I mean I run, so my feet are typically they're not flat, but they're you know wide. They're kind of spread out, and. Because I haven't been on my left one, it's kind of shrank up and it's kind of arched up and it looks all weird. It's like, is that my leg? <clears throat> and then the calf is like half the size of the other one. So you got you got one of those uh, Chinese foot bondage feet yeah. going on, huh? Yeah, going those weird foot things. You know, I take pictures of some <laughs> foot bindings. Uh, Only fans, foot edition. Hey, we hey, we've always said, yeah. you know. That's what it takes to get your son through college, right? Yeah, yeah, it yeah. is what it is. Speaking of which, I got to take. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of college, I got to take more money out today. I think this evening I have to take another loan for this year. Well, it's an investment. Yeah, I mean, he is. It's good, but it's just like wow. Yeah, it's you know, it's uh, 
it's not the way it was when when I when you know I went through school and it's just crazy. But well, so yeah, I mean, well, luckily because this this college you chose is very particular in what directions they're going, so it's not as expensive as like a liberal arts school, and but it's still going to be right around sixty five thousand, I think, maybe a little less, but he did get some federal grants, not much, but a little. Every little bit counts. Yeah. So it's going to be one of those things where at the end of the day, <clears throat> I'm paying the interest for him. I'm making huge chunk payments every month so that when he does graduate, he's not trying to pay yeah. a, a car, a, a college loan payment that's more than a you know, mortgage payment. Well, that's, you know, it's an investment in his future, and it's awesome that you can do that. And, and you, you can see how, you know, you see how kids get in, young kids get in trouble with their college loans because they do, they'll give you money for everything. And they tell, oh, well, you can use this for transportation and for apartments and for this and for that. So they'll, they'll give you this, they'll give you money to buy a car or buy, do this with this loan, but you're talking 17, 18% interest. Yeah. Some people are even more than that, 23, 26% interest. Non-dischargeable. You <clears throat> yeah. can't get rid yeah, of it. Yeah, you cannot bankrupt. You, you, you cannot. can't get rid of it in a bankruptcy. And you tell an 18, 19-year-old kid, yeah, we'll give you this money. You don't have to make a payment for four years, five years. So, and they encourage them, oh, we'll give you a hundred, up to $100,000 just sign here. And they spend all this money. Sounds great. Until. And then then it's like, my, you know, my uh, college loan payments are $3,200 a, a month. And I'm not, it's going to take me 19 years to pay it off. Well, but you bought a car. You took a trip. You bought stuff you really didn't need. You bought a new t- computer every year. Yeah. You know? We're only taking the money to literally pay for classes. I bought his computer. I'm buying a lot of that other stuff. We're just taking, you know, he's taking money to pay for classes. Well, you know, and I didn't, when you get old, like yeah. us, right, you, you hear the, a lot of guys or a lot of the, the younger kids talking about college debt and, you know, college loans and how debilitating they are. And then, like, as an older dude, right, you kind of get the get off my lawn kind yeah. of thing. It's like, you know, oh, go out, you know, go get a job and buckle down and blah, blah, blah. But it really is a totally different that, environment now than it was. The biggest issue is they don't. Back in the 90s and You're 2000s. still responsible for your debt. And it's still, it's funny because these young people want to argue that they're smarter than us. Oh, this generation, we're smarter than you people. We know more. Well, apparently you don't know how to add interest. <laughs> right. Because I would look at a piece of paper and say, there's no... I turned down a car loan years ago because the interest rate was not what I liked. And I was like, nope, not, don't want that interest rate too high. I'll go elsewhere. Well, but this is the best we can do. Don't Then, that, sorry, I'm going funny. elsewhere. And I went elsewhere and got a, uh, got a half a point less than what I, what I wanted. He gave me, they gave me a half a point less. You have to know what you're asking for. and But you also blame the education system because high school doesn't teach these kids about that. They teach them, they teach them certain things, but they don't teach them how to balance a checkbook. They don't teach them about interest. They don't teach yeah. them about what, what, that in, what that means. I mean, my kid is in, you know, starting college, and he's smart, but he didn't understand what the APR meant. And I was like, so I had to, I had to break it down for him. It's like, okay, so if they're charging you... We use military, you know, all the military jokes about you get a get a Camaro on a twenty four percent interest rate. 
It's like 24% interest isn't what they charge you a month. They charge you 2% a month. 24% is the most they charge you all. That's your annual percentage rate overall because they add it all up. Right. So it's 2% a month. <clears throat> but that's 2% every month. Every month. And if you're borrowing twenty, thirty, forty thousand $40,000 at 2% a month every month, that's 2% on top of the, of the interest next month and 2% the next month. Mm-hmm. So literally, if you don't make a chunk payment, that it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Compound, compound. Yeah. You, know, you always hear that compound interest is your friend. Compound interest is like it's a double-edged sword, right? Because yeah. it's either your best friend or your worst enemy. Yeah. If people are, if you're getting paid compound mm-hmm. interest, it's your best friend. Yeah. If you owe compound interest, it is your worst freaking enemy. Yeah, because comp- you got to pay attention to the small things. But you know. We'll get off that and we'll yeah. get into the in the fights because we could spend all day talking about how, yeah. how people have failed our, our our children our children in multiple ways. Yeah, but we've had multiple fights over oh, yeah. the last couple of weeks, and they have all been. I mean, yeah, starting with last night, really good. Yeah, so last night was the the fight night Vera uh, Cheeto Vera versus Cruz. Yep, um, I caught most of the main card. I'll tell you yeah. what. Nate Land Nate Landwehr, that yeah. dude is in the running for the next um Darren the Damage Elkins. Yeah, he takes a beating and comes back. I mean, he split it was a uh, majority decision over David Onoma and that fight it, it could have was went a hell of a fight. Yeah, it was fight of the night. And you had all the stars like, man, that was UFC stars like, dude, that was the great greatest fight and then yeah, like Aljamain Stern, like, man, these guys need, like, one more round because no one could figure it out. It's like, they kind of need one more round to get this one done. I was worried at the end of that one because yeah. Landwehr started to show – I yeah. mean, he's got a very dynamic personality yeah. in, in the octagon, but he started to showboat a little yeah. bit towards the end, and I really thought Onama was going to get a last-second yeah. comeback Knock knockout because at about – 15 seconds in, Fifteen seconds to go. Onama started to land some shots and was starting to push Landwehr back. And I was I was really worried that he was going to – not worried, but it was – I was wondering if he was going to pull that one out because that was a – that was a slug. Now, second round was all Landwehr. Yeah. I mean, he broke Onama at the end of the first yeah. and carried it through to the second. But, you know, a little bit of showboating yeah, gave yeah. Onama a couple that, of yeah. seconds to kind of regroup Throw and them heavy hands. finish strong. I mean, they had, like, Angela Hill come mm-hmm. back and fought a great fight against Lupe Gundanez, who's a good fighter. I mean, this was a really good fighter. Went to the decision. Uh, Nina Nunez uh, fighting Cafelio. Nina, most people don't understand this is, uh, if you don't, if you're just a casual fan, this is Amanda Nunez's wife. She won the fight by split decision and then retired. She announced her retirement last night. She wants to have another child, so she's retiring officially from fighting. Which kind of like sparks that interest of me. Is like, so does is Amanda gonna fight maybe one more time and then and then retire too? Because I mean, she's she's done everything. You know, I don't have many more fights she has on her contract. So maybe she finishes out her contract and leaves. I mean, she has her own gym now and everything else. Uh, Gerard Mirchart, he had that great freaking comeback guillotine choke. Uh, it, you know, people were kind of counting him out, and he just caught that guillotine kind of out of nowhere. 
over uh, Bruno Silva. Uh, Tyson Nam, that was cool. He's fighting Ode Osborne. And Ode is a very flashy fighter, but Tyson Nam was showboating. He was smiling and kind of dancing a little bit and mm-hmm. put his hands down. And he caught Ode coming in. I think Ode went in to launch like a flying knee, and Tyson caught him with just a right hand that put him to sleep. But, I mean, Marlon Vera, Dominic Cruz, back and forth. And then Vera caught him with that high kick because Cruz was making a habit of dropping his his head. And uh, Cheeto Vera caught it. That, that, that fight came down to the pace and the rhythm of Dominic versus the power of Cheeto. Yeah, because Dominic did what he does. He controlled the fight. Yes. He was controlling the pace and the speed. But, I mean, he got knocked down in the third and got back up and went right back to work. And I think Dominic is starting to reach that point where I don't think – I think this was kind of like his last shot at getting a title shot. I don't see him getting another chance because I don't th- – nothing against him. No. But I don't think he can compete with the high-level guys anymore. He, his combination – I mean, he was landing great combinations. His, but his footwork looked good, but he just didn't have – But he's never evolved. He still uses that same footwork he has for the past 10 years. Oh, and okay. guys, have, what used to win him his fights is now people are like, okay, yeah, we've seen that. That It's nothing new. Yeah. So let me catch you with this because you he rolls his head and he drops his shoulder when he's when he's uh, you know yeah. for his defense against a lot of those hands he will roll his shoulder and he kind of drops his head and he comes back up normally but it caught him in the knockout because he does it all the, the time, time to the point to where Cheetah Vera you know a writer tweeted out nine, about ninety seconds give or take before the knockout was like. Dominic Cruz keeps dropping his shoulder, rolling his head to come back up with a counter. Vera, if he could catch he him with a head kick, it, this yeah. will be over. And a little few seconds later, That's boom, exactly what head kick unconscious. Splat. I mean, it, Dom, like I said, the combinations looked good. And, and yeah, like, I mean, he, he put he, – He just – he didn't – he was – he was – he was he landing the, the shots. There just wasn't yeah. anything behind them. I don't think he has the – yeah, he doesn't have the power he used to. He's got the rhythm, but there's yeah. – but guys like Cheeto Vera can take a beating. Well, and they – you know, Cheeto's kind of a slow starter, right? Yeah. So when Dom came right out yeah, yeah. at – I mean, he came right out and, and started hooking up with combinations right off the first bell. Trying, I think trying to close down uh, Cheeto getting yeah. any kind of momentum. But once Cheeto got rolling – Right, it was, it was kind of all over from there, and and because every time Cheeto landed a good shot, it put Dom either made him step back or put him on his butt, yeah. and Cheeto put Dom on his butt what three times? Yeah, he, I mean before the before the the, he, the actual knockout. It's funny, Cheeto realized in the start of the third round that he had to adjust a little bit, so he got that quick knockdown. Getting the third round, and then he went and he started going to work. And then he slowed his rhythm down and just started getting putting the work in, instead of just going hunting for the headshot. Yeah. And I'll be, you know, 
good coaching, being a good veteran. He's like, okay, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna run him out of here with 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 that one big shot. I need to start working and you know working for an opening. And then he caught him with that perfect head kick, and it flattened out. Yeah, it, he just kind of face. Yeah, he was he was out on the way down. That was now, a that was a rough one. Dominic, I mean, I'm not saying he's done, but I just don't think he's gonna make another title run. Yeah, I I, I after this one after this perform well, I mean, he's ranked. I think number 11. Yeah. So he's out of the top 10. Cheeto's number 5. Yeah, I mean, Cheeto should get the next title shot. I agree. Because he's, I mean, beating Dominic like this, uh, beating Dominic Reyes, his last fight, I mean, he beat Dominic Reyes pretty pretty soundly. Yeah. I mean, you give nothing but credit to Reyes for staying in that fight. Because dude, dude took a beating. Yeah. And Cheeto Vera is just this... He's a production machine, and he hits hard, and he just keeps. He, I mean, his jab is 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 awesome. Well, he's another he's another Charles Oliveira, yeah. right? I mean, he's been hammering away at it for a meaningful period of time, and now he's breaking right, through. Yeah, he's starting to put all the pieces together, right? I mean, he's got you know good takedown defense. You know, Dom had you know. It, in the beginning, Dom was hitting hitting some singles, hitting some some high crotches, but then towards the end, Dom couldn't land anything. Cheeto's sprawl was, you know, taking care of business and, and making sure he didn't get the takedown. So, you know, it, but you know, on the flip side, the one thing that I was really impressed about with Dom is every time Cheeto sprawled. Dom managed to come out from under the sprawl and come up landing shots yeah. so i thought that was Look, that mean, was pretty impressive I said i'm an, it's it's the same thing with misha tate misha tate lost her last fight you know pretty resoundingly and she was honest she's like i still love the fight i'm still gonna fight um we'll probably never see the title shot again but i still want to fight because i love it so until she's like until i don't want to fight again i, I would like i'm gonna fight Man, you know, it's just probably going to be, you know, so whatever, we, however fights is, you know, maybe big names or kind of like wish list fights. But, you know, maybe we see her fight Aspen Ladd finally, you know. <laughs> well, yeah. So, and speaking of Aspen Ladd, that fight got canceled. Aspen Ladd, Sarah McMahon got canceled last night. Yep. Apparently, Aspen came down with test positive for COVID. Yeah, so they, they rescheduled for September. Yep, which is great. Well... But, you know, Excuse I was kind of a little surprised about that since COVID rules changed. Well. CDC changed changed some other rules. I'm not, you know, they changed a lot of stuff. So, we'll see how that goes. Well, so, and, well. We'll just, but we'll just leave it at yeah, that. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll leave it at that. Would you fight with the flu? I mean. That's what I'm saying. If she, if she was sick, I can understand. Because if she was feeling ill, yeah. Plus, it does, it does hammer your body. But I'm surprised that they announced it as being COVID or just saying she had. She, she was, was sick. sick. Well, it, we're still kind of in that we're, in between we're, we're for in next. this in between, right? Because you say yeah. she's sick. Oh, is it COVID? Yeah. Right. So but, it's yeah. just safer to. It's not safer, but it it cuts down on the chatter to come yeah. out and just say, "Hey, she's got COVID. It's you know, it's all done." Yeah, but yeah, that I mean, I was looking forward to that fight and it got canceled. But because I, I I think Aspen Lad, she's got some work to do, and we'll see how that goes for her because she definitely needs to. She needs a really good fight. 
And Sarah McMahon is going to be tough because McMahon is probably one of the best female wrestlers in she the UFC. Needs, she needs a good, solid yeah. opponent that she puts in a good, solid yeah. performance. Sarah McMahon against. can throw, but she is her takedowns are top-notch. So Aspen Ladd, this will be a make-or-break fight for her. Yeah. I, with her I weight, agree. with her weight issues, and some of the other, and some of her past performances, this is going to be a big, big test. Yeah. So we see what happens. I mean, if they, if they cut Kay Hansen, yeah. If yeah. Aspen Ladd has another disappointing she might performance, be she might be next. If there's a bunch, I mean, the UFC is starting to get a point where they have a good many females on the roster, so there's they're not going to hold on to somebody that's underperforming. You know that you know. They'll send her down to get – basically, they'll send her back to the minors to get more yeah. time in and then bring her back up. Yeah, a- absolutely. Because, I mean, if you look at and, – and, we'll, and we can transition over to last week's fights, the, the Santos versus Hill yeah. uh, fight night. If you look at the Corey McKenna-Miranda Granger fight, yeah. you know, Corey McKenna had a hell of a good um, – uh, had a hell of a good performance at her you know, UFC – debut and she's you know looking to um you know she's she's looking to make a a, a, a god damn my brain just died um she's you know looking to make her run in the ufc she got the von flute yeah um she got the von flute well, finish miller, you know miller she's just she won the ultimate fighter yep last week too and yep. i mean she is she's you know, come out with a DX chop with the win, and that geez. fight was because she. she you know, there's a, apparently there's broken. a lot of shit talking. Well, and so Miller Juliana Miller's got a mouth on her, but the other girl was talking shit too. With a lot of this, I'm going to crush you. You are nothing. Apparently, there's a lot back and forth in the house that no one saw. Yeah, and a lot of Miller. Apparently, they were talking down to her because she's a tenth planet girl and that she's nothing, and she's going to get beat up on TV. She's going to get knocked out, and then Miller come out and just. That's why she was did what she said. That's why she did what she did. Yeah, was that it was so much trash talking about her and some pretty insulting things that she was finally she come out and just crushed it. DX, DX chop yeah. and a head push yeah. and it's like I just beat you down. And Brogan Walker, the, the the discussion there was Brogan Walker was supposed yeah. to be the better yeah. striker yeah. in that. In, yeah. in that match, Miller's yeah, Miller's a jujitsu yeah, grappler. Tenth plant. I mean, uh, yeah. Richie Martinez yeah. was in yep. her corner. Boogie was yeah, yeah. In, in her corner. She's she's a grappler first, and she she come out. Throwing. She didn't have a mark on her face at yeah. the end of that match. And Brogan Walker, Brogan Walker took some shots. She was she was bloodied up, and she was looking definitely worse for the wear that was a hell of a match and i mean it ended with a with a, a tko with a minute to go in the third and it was all juliana miller yeah like, she just I'd, yeah she dominated that fight from start i mean she's and she's just like neck you know that night she was out doing shit the next day she's out smiling no no i mean typically you have a busted lip or swelling, and she's out partying like you know nothing. So it's like I'm fine. I'm I thought go. it was going to be. I thought that was going to be the quintessential grappler versus striker. And if you can't get a takedown, it's over. But it that's not the way it worked out. There was a there was a lot of fire in Miller. That's she. she yeah. got her contract, and she's happy. 
And then, um, so the other, um, the, the other ultimate fighter. Yeah, that's scary. Showdown it is, it is. was Mohammed Usman versus uh, Zach pa- 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 Pauga, and I'll tell you that was an interesting fight because Pauga was his technique was better than Usman's. Usman's but, a brawler and a, and a power puncher, dude. Okay, but then again, come on, his brother. His brother, know. yeah. But the funny thing is, like, you look at you look at Muhammad. Yeah, because yeah, they look, look like at, two different yeah. creatures. Well, and but you look at Muhammad, and you're like, oh, that's that's Kamaru's older brother. No, he's the younger, younger brother, brother, and he's freaking he's a, heavyweight. He's yeah. a big he's, boy. Yeah. So, I mean, Kamaru Usman walks around at two something, two twenty. I think is what he normally walks around. Then he cuts down to what 185. 185, yeah. He might not quite be two twenty, but he's he's up in the two. He's yeah, two ten, two fifteen, maybe. Yeah, he's low twos. But his brother, yeah, they just he's just a brick wall. When and, he did the flex at yeah, the end, yeah. I'm like, oh my, the dude's. T- I mean, the dude's imagine, terrifying. Imagine if Usman, if you know, he makes a run. I mean, you've got a team. They know, and with what Kamara's done in the you know in the one eighty five division, he's got a hell of a team around him. You put that same kind of leadership behind his brother, you could have brother champions yes. for the first time ever. Well, you got the you got the first time brother fit, uh, winning the ultimate fighter, winning yeah. the ultimate fighter. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, yeah. I thought I thought Puga was getting the better. He was coming out on the better side of the striking exchanges because his technique was better. Yeah, but his, Usman, his combinations are crisper, but... Usman caught him with that okay, little huh? check yeah, left yeah, and yeah. just put him out, and it was... Yeah. Yeah, like, dude, did he hit it? Whoa, yeah, what, huh? Yeah, had a loaded, had some brass knuckles on because he just dropped him. It's like, it almost looked like a wrestling, you know, when you take those big hits and you know, the guy drops quick because it's just like, lights yeah, out. He was but he light. just caught, he caught him perfectly with that check hook. Yeah. And here lately... The last uh, last eighteen months, you've seen UFC guys go to that check hook, that swinging check hook from the outside to counter because they step out of from the from the jab and the, the cross, yep. and they step out and throw that check hook, and it the way they step out, it catches most of these fighters in the right in the ear perfectly, yep. and if you ain't ever been smacked in the ear, you know. Take a little slap to your ear and see how bad that is. And imagine some dude That'll, throwing yeah. with intent. Just a little pop on the ear with will your ring, ear. Your, ring your bell. and It'll and, shut your system down for yeah. a little bit. And that's what it did. And, it, and that's what people don't understand when you see these guys jump right back up. And they're like, we could he could have kept fighting. That was a real stoppage. No, his brain shut off for about five seconds from that ear, you know, smack. Yeah. And he had a reset. And if, he, if the referee didn't stop it, he would have took a lot of unnecessary punishment. Yeah. Pauga was throwing that kind of looping yeah. overhand left, and he ducked. Yeah, he ducked out to the left, left and, and <clears throat> threw that hook. Usman just hit that little check hook yeah. and pop. I mean, the uh, what Dreesholo, the dude <clears throat> from the, the the fighter from South Africa, he throws those little check hooks. He throws those little hooks over the top because he was a kickboxer first. Yeah. And so he throw he was a K one kickboxer and stuff. So he throws those little yeah. check hooks over the top. He throws those more than he does a jab, and it's and it works. I mean, because he starts you can see yeah, him staggering works. guys. Guys just start you know uh-huh. dancing, and it's like he done caught him with that little check hook right above the ear and stuff. 
And then uh, in the prelims, you had Brian Battle against uh, Takashi Sato, 44 seconds in, round one Man. knockout. And, I mean, dude was – dude, Sato was stiff, stiff. Yeah. His arms came across his face on the way down, and he landed. And he was just laying there, and his yeah. arms were still crossed up over his face. Yeah, one of those knockouts was like – Poor dude got – yeah, yeah sleepy, your brain, sleepy. Your brain is rattled for a while. Yeah, that's going to be a rough one. Yeah, um, that might be hard to come back from. That's going to be one of those where you automatically get six months. You're off for six yeah, months. Yeah, you're off for a little bit. Sam Alvey took another loss. Yeah, Sam Alvey's now talking about fighting fucking Paul in boxing. Uh, Sam Alvey's out here. He's like, dude, I know you like fighting older guys. You're coming off of losses in the UFC. How about me? <laughs> and it's just like, I understand Sam Alvey's make, trying to make money. I mean, yeah, he's, he's, you, he's like, dude, it's a, you know. It's it's a win win for Paul because he's like an older guy who's not a you know coming off some losses in the UFC. Alvy's just Alvy's that guy. He's he's a look. He's a lot like cowboy in that he'll fight anybody anytime, and he's just. I don't. He'll never be. I like Sam Alvey. Dude is awesome. He's, he's he, and tough. not only not only is he just a tough fighter. He's a workhorse fighter, but he's also just a good dude overall. I mean, him and his wife, you know, they 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 adopt children. They have some of their own. They do. I mean, so a lot of the money he makes, he's using. I mean, it's to raise his family. So I mean, I understand. You want to fight Paul? Hell, Paul, you know, pay a million bucks. Sure. Maybe a little bit more. Hell, that's a lot. That's life changing money. Some, you know. True. So. Yeah, you can't look down on him for that. I mean, yeah. You know, I mean, he's, he's trying. Yeah, I mean, I, I, Sam Alvey, if he, if he actually fought Paul, I wouldn't talk any trash, even if he lost, because Sam, I understand where his heart is. It's like, dude, I'll fight you. I don't care. You know, you need a fuck opponent, I'll fight you. Yeah. And he, and the fact that he's like talking, he's also kind of talking shit. He's like, do you like fighting older older guys coming off of losses in the UFC? Oh, that, now that's funny. Yeah, he's I, like, you know, <laughs> I'm right up your alley. That I don't. That was funny. Yeah, because it's. I mean, he's. You know, he's like, you, you need a, you need an opponent. I'll fight you. Because yeah, we talk, talk about that. That we took me and me and Scott talked about this Friday. We went out to lunch and stuff, and we we're talking about the ramen. Top ramen. Yeah, top ramen. The ramen Paul debacle. And I understand That's just you know, a weird. Chell Sonnen's like. Trying to defend Paul that Ramen it was his fault he didn't make weight blah 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 but the way I look at it is you're telling your opponent that he has to cut weight and then maintain that weight cut for two weeks before the fight so that is a little weird to me because you're you're basically telling your opponent I'm going to force you force you to be depleted for two weeks prior to our fight knowing. And to me, that just it seemed like a shit show because it's like I'm gonna make sure that you're dehydrated and depleted and weaker when you step into the ring with me. Yeah, the way Chael descri- the the way Chael described it was, or the way Chael explained it was, the commission was worried that Ramen was going to deplete himself too much during the weight cut, so they wanted him to hold well, that just- weight longer in order to be sure that he he was able to hold that weight and stay. Healthy. The issue is Paul was trying to force a heavyweight boxer to fight yeah. at 170. Yes, which is insane. On short, on short notice. This is, a, what, six weeks? Yeah. And Rama was like, dude, I can make 
he was like, dude, we got, you know, he came back and his corner, his, his team was like, how about 180 something? Because 170 is just ridiculous. Because it was going to be like 40 pounds. And he was like, dude, no. Uh, 185 something there, trying to talk about 190. And then it was this whole, well, you need to cut weight and hold that. But see, that's the thing. It's not, hey, lose weight and stay here. You know, he wanted him to basically drop almost to, to the limit and then hold that for two weeks. And yeah, I understand the commission's point of view, but how that's not any healthier because you're forcing a fighter to stay depleted longer. Right. Not deplete himself like all these other professionals do to cut weight and then make it. Because apparently Rahman was like, dude, I'm only a couple pounds over. I think he was supposed to be at 200. Well, I think he was supposed to weigh in at 200, and he weighed at like 211. Yeah. So he's like, I can cut 20 pounds in, in a day. People, professionals do this. This is what we do. I mean, I've, you've seen some of these guys and girls. I mean, Macy Barber. Yeah. She put up about her last fight. She cut a lot of weight. And, you know, Sal Malby cuts 15, 20 pounds, on, you know, to get underweight. So, for me, I thought it was just kind of, it's kind of like, maybe the commission wanted to torpedo it to begin with. Or there was a lot of shenanigans from Paul's team. Because, to me, to tell a heavyweight fighter, you're going to have to fight at 40 pounds below your normal weight. And you have to hold that weight loss for two weeks is to me is like you're putting a guy's health at risk. Do yeah, you, I, you know, if, if this would have been like, so, okay, so you have three months to prepare. We want you at this point, this point, this point. Instead, it's we want you 30 pounds off two weeks before the fight. And you have to maintain and you have to weigh in every day and you have to be dropping weight every day till the fight. So it's like you're basically putting this guy on this brutal extended, extended period of weight cut, cut yeah to where the day he gets in the he is to me is like now that he's going to die because you're forcing his body to shut down for two weeks do you think he's ever do you think paul is ever going to fight like an actual boxer and i'm not saying that <clears throat> he doesn't want to but it's it seems like either it seems like the commit the commission and boxing in and of itself just doesn't want to make this happen right because we've talked about it for a while that there's there's no upside for any professional boxer to fight yeah paul right because you beat him yeah. and it's like you're supposed to beat him there's no al there's no accolades there and if you lose mm, yeah it's i mean because it's for, a no-win situation for ramen this was a it was i mean he's 12 and 1 his last fight I watched his last fight. They put it up. It was a disaster for him. He just got brutalized. And he was supposed to win. Rama was supposed to win his last boxing match. He was supposed to be, you know, because, I mean, his dad was a former champion. So he's mm -hmm. supposed to be, you know, like his dad. And he got ragdolled his last fight. But the shit, you know, it's like he agreed to fight Paul. Because Tommy Fury, for whatever, there's all kinds of shit going on with that. But whatever happened, Fury fight fell out. So Raman, who is a sparring partner of Paul, they offered him, hey, do you want to take the fight so we can keep this card? Raman was like, okay. And apparently they were. he took the fight under what he thought was good intentions. It, according to him in his camp was, hey, you, it's like six weeks out. Yeah, make weight. 
we're going to start working on this. And they want him at 170 or 175. And the dude weight walks around like 220, 230. He's a heavyweight boxer. He's like, I don't think I can make that. We, I can we do like a catch weight at 190. And Paul claims that, oh, yeah, I agree to that. But you look at the thing. No, he didn't. Raman had to make the 170 limit or 180 limit. And then this whole you have to weigh in two weeks before and be at this point, and then you have to drop weight every day. Yeah. And Raman was like, dude, that's, that was something that was added later, was this extra stipulation, and then it was like, then they were going to penalize him 25% of his purse if he didn't make weight. And he was like, it went from being, hey, man, I'm taking this fight to help you out, to keep your card going, to being... Dude, you know, and then they start, Paul started talking trash about Raman's a crappy fighter. He's not good. So Raman released sparring video. He's like, dude, your coach, your, your corners literally tell me not to hit you too hard because I'll keep rattling you. I mean, you can, what, what Raman released, whether it's edited or not, because, you know, of course, people are, oh, no, no, that's, that's not real. I saw the hits, and you can hear, the, and you can see Paul wobble. Yeah. And then you can hear the corner saying, not that hard. And Raman pulled back. So it's like... You know, it's kind of like the McGregor sparring videos. Yeah. And all that with what's-his-face. And, oh, no, no, we, you know, you made me fight with no with no rest and this and that. And it was supposed to be light, and you're going hard and all that trash talk. And then he gets his butt knocked out by Larbo, you know, bare knuckle. And it's like, okay, so were you really good? You know, how'd that yeah. work out for you? But mm. I, I don't know... Paul, I mean, Paul's technique is getting better, but I don't think he is no... A couple years in doing private boxing lessons does not make you a high-level boxer. And we've seen that. Yes, he's knocked out a couple MMA guys who aren't strikers. And a basketball player. Yeah. Who thought it was a joke. Who thought it was a joke, yeah. Who thought it was a charity event who didn't... He trained like one week. To throw a couple, he thought it was a joke until he got knocked out. And it's one of those things where he he was pissed. He was like, "Dude, this was supposed to be sparring this is and playful be an yeah. for for charity, and then I get knocked out." So that one, I that one was kind of like yeah. surprise, and you know, I'm going into play, and the dude wants to play, for, you know, wants to hit me for real. Trust me, I've been in these those sparring things where you're like. Let's go light, and that dude wants to throw 100%. It's like, oh, that's what we're doing now. <laughs> That's what we're doing? Okay. And then changes the complex. So, okay, you want to play that? I mean, I've I've lost my temper in here on the mats not long ago. We had a newer white belt think he was going to – brand new two weeks in, thought he was going to jump guard on me, try to jump up on me and pull me into guard. And he, <laughs> he got choked for his uh, transgression. Brutally. I missed his tap twice. Oops. And it was one of those things where all the other students here, all my other teammates watching are like, oh, dude, you just messed up. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I literally fed the dude a choke, a standing guillotine, so I could do the flip escape. Do the rollout. Do the, yeah. Where you flip him over you. The monkey flip, yeah. Yeah. And I was like, you might want to duck your head. Duck what? your head. Splat. Or not, I don't care. Yeah, it's up to you. I mean, I literally fed you a choke on purpose. You can get folded, it's up to you. So I could, so I could just flip you over my head. But So I understand where the boxer come from. So that fight, I do not count as real. They count as a win, I don't. Askren, 
Askren has he's thrown like 12 punches in his entire career. I mean, the dude does not throw strikes. He's a wrestler. He's a world-class wrestler when he fought in Bellator and when he went to one. What, his last five fights in one? I think he absorbed six shots through none. At, at most, yeah. And took guys down in ragdoll. That's all he did. I think sometimes he would throw punches and mount, but that was mostly just so people move their arms so he could choke you or submit yeah. you. Uh, so, I, so you fought a guy who doesn't really know how to box, who crossed his feet moving backwards and got himself knocked out. And literally kind of admitted that, you know what? When I took that shot and I fell down, I was like, screw it. I, I get paid one way or the other. Right. I'm, I'm good. I mean, he had <laughs> retired from fighting to begin with. And then, yes, he beat Tyron Woodley, who, again, world-class wrestler. Not known for being this. And, yes, he's thrown. Oh, well, he threw punches in the UFC. He threw strikes in the UFC. He's not a boxer. Boxer, yeah. UFC striking, MMA striking, boxing are so far apart. Yeah. Because boxing, you're only worried about punches coming to you. Yep. MMA Kicks, knees, elbows, Take being downs. taken down. So your striking is different. Their guard is different. Your hands are in different places. I mean, a boxer is not worried about getting that teep up the middle. No. Trust me, I love throwing that teep kick. It's like, teep. Ugh. It's So Paul, I think, he's still cherry-picking his opponents. This whole, oh, well, the August 6th card was called off because of this. Dude, I guarantee you there's 10,000 boxers who were at weight and would have filled that spot in a heartbeat. Mm -hmm. 10,000 guys who have journeymen, who are journeymen, who are minor cards, who box, who would have jumped at the opportunity to make a million dollars to fight you on a pay-per-view. Well, you ch so don't tell me you couldn't find anybody. What'd you do? You go for Tommy Fury, knowing he, he was going to have problems getting here. Apparently, there's been some issues with his visa. I don't know what they are. I'm not in government. I have no clue why a guy from England can't make it to America, but apparently there's some issues with his visa. Well, and, and there's always the argument that if Paul really wanted to be a boxer, yeah. he would enter a league yeah. and become a boxer. He wants to do his own. <clears throat> yeah. Does he? He want, He wants to fight. He wants to make his money. There's okay, been, great. Apparently, there's been some overtures of some of these other people saying, "Hey, I've got you know 60, 70 boxers in your weight class on my roster. Yeah, come on over. No, 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 no. Well, how about we do a crow? Oh, no, no, we're not. No, 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 no. I pick my fighter, and that's what they're doing. Yeah. And you know, and I mean. He's good he, power, yeah, power good, to him, but yeah. at the end of the day, don't. If, if it's a, if it's about the blood, the sweat, the tears, the fights, yeah. right? He would he would go to a he would go to a federation, UBL yes. or whatever, and he's claiming, and fight he's, there. He's claiming he won't do that because of the money, because they don't pay their fighters enough. He it's, pays his opponents. Okay, so more. it's about the money. It's not about the fights. Yeah, that's what and that's what it's coming down to. Because he's always going after Dana White. I mean, he challenged Dana White. Dana White's like, dude, I'm 30 years older than you. I'm not getting in the ring with you. Because Dana White was a boxer. Yeah. I mean, he was a, a boxer back in the day. And he's like, dude, I'm, not, I'm 30 years older than you. I'm not getting in the ring with you. It's like, what, what's, what's that going to prove? You, you, you want me to 
yeah, do a 12-round fight with a guy goofy. who's 30 years younger than me. Again, you want to fight somebody who, I mean, but he wouldn't accept the fight with Bisping. Bisping literally was like, dude, I will legit, you know what, I'm, I'll fight you. Accept the fight. And then they backed out. Because they offered Bisping, Bisping the fight. Bisping would flatline him. I'm sorry. And I agree with Bisping. One eye, I think, no eyes. I don't care. I, I think it was so he could brag when Bisping said, said no. no. Yeah, this fight scared me too. Bisping said yes. And then all of a sudden, oh, well, we're going to go a different direction. Yeah. Oh, okay. So you want to challenge me. And as soon as I accept, oh, well, uh, actually, we're going to fight somebody else. And I think that's when they fought Askren. It's like... I think the whole thing was, guy. I challenged this fighter, and he said no. Bisbee's got one eye, and he's retired. I mean, it's like, okay. And then when he accepts, oh, well, uh, we're, uh, I think we're just going to go in a different direction. direction. Actually. Yeah. yeah, we're going to fight someone who can't throw punches. Because yeah. Bisbee, he, again, he might not be the best striker, but the dude can take a beating, and he will hurt you. Yeah. The biggest thing with Bisbing, you'd have to be afraid of Bisbing getting mad. <laughs> Especially if Paul talked all that trash he does everybody else to Bisbing. Yeah. He started talking trash about his wife and children. That would not turn out well. He could get that whole takedown, ground and pound. Yeah, I might not get paid my I'm thing. I'm not going to get you're paid, but I'm just going to beat the, I'm yeah. going to beat you up. Uh, but that's, I mean, <clears throat> I don't think we're anywhere near – Seeing that, it's like the Island Boys now think they're boxers. <sighs> Those two. And I'm like, oh my lord. Those two. I actually, God, I mean, I, just, I, I, I sent a message. I, I, I deleted it, but I sent a message to them on their, on their Instagram saying that me and my brother would fight you and your brother. <laughs> we went in whatever rule set you wanted. That we we could do strict MMA, <laughs> or we would do boxing versus you guys or kickboxing. <laughs> and I was like, and we're <laughs> one of us is as old as the two of you combined, and we will fight you and and whatever two two on two tag team main event do co some main Russian event. Shit. We would do whatever, and then I deleted because I was like, I will legit <laughs> beat that kid. I'd probably oh, pick man. one up and hit him with the other. <laughs> I mean, like, I would, well, they weigh one ten each. I it's mean, like looking at these dudes. I'm like, uh, I would let him hit me, just to be like, dude, really? <laughs> oh, like, um, and then you smack him. <laughs> I tell you, I'm, I'm, I would be, I would be afraid that my hands would get caught in their hair. I like, mean, dude, it's just like, oh my god, weird. you? And they're like, yeah, we're real fighters. No, no, no. It's like the other week. No. When that uh, the street fighter went in and got beat up, uh, and then he went to the MMA gym with uh, Hangman's gym. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And come in, I'm an undefeated street fighter. And, Another one of those. And dude got just ragdolled for you know, and they had to separate him because he then started talking trash after getting ragdolled. And the guy was like, oh, you want to go for real? I was being nice. Yeah. <laughs> they had a set because dude was going to kill him. <laughs> like, oh all, those, God, all, all those guys who walk into yeah. professional gyms, they yeah. talk about their undefeated street fighting record. It's, it, it never turns out well for those guys. I mean, really, it, it, it doesn't. Yeah. But then we had uh, we had Gordon Ryan versus Felipe Pena, and he, he actually still, fought actually still. fought Pena. We're going to talk about about but, Felipe Pena this week, not Pedro Marinho, who I totally screwed up on the last episode. That's another story. But 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 it is still literally in my news feed this morning. Them two, 
So for going back and forth. So for anybody who didn't actually get to see that fight, it was Gordon Ryan versus Felipe. If Pino. you're any kind of MMA jujitsu fan, you've, you've seen this on. in your in your in your feed. in your feed because uh, these guys are going at it and everybody's getting involved. Yeah, but uh, so Pena defeated Gordon Ryan twice in the past. Um, yep. We're actually going to talk about the correct person this time. Um, defeated Gordon Ryan twice in the past. Yep. Um, and this was the kind of the rematch. This was uh, so Gordon fought Marinho last month for the heavyweight title. Uh, yep. Title and who's number one? And this yep. was his first technical defense. Felipe Pena or Pena was very close friends with Leandro Lowe, who we tragically lost yep. this week. Um, and there was. A lot. There was a lot of stuff going on on the the who's number one card just with Leandro Lowe in in general. But it was supposed to be well. It was a no time limit. Yeah, match. the original agreement was no time limit. No time limit. And uh, Gordon actually gave ten to one odds, and he made a big show of it. He put a hundred thousand dollars in an account. Yep. And Pina matched it with ten grand, and the winner get that was beside their pay from who's number one. This was just a side bet. And Pena had been talking a lot of trash because, yeah, he's beat Gordon twice. So, and all his little, you know, fans, which is, you know, cool. You, you choose your team. But there was a whole lot of trash talking leading into this fight. Yeah. And then the, the shit show after the fight. Well, the shit show during the fight because uh, at, at, they made it to – and it was, it was a good – it was a good fight. Um you know, there was a lot of back and forth. Stand-up was really good, but about 40 minutes in, Pena just stood up and went over to the judges' table. Yeah. And the, the, the crowd kind of started booing at him, and he put his finger up like, hey, be quiet. Gordon made the, you know, kind of the, the throat cut, he quit movement. Um, Mike, uh, Hollywood Mike came out and talked to him a little bit, and then they reset yeah. back on the mat. And they, you know, they went back at it again. And as soon as Gordon got in a dominant position, yeah, I started going for that S mount. Yep, started going going for that that high S mount. Um, Pena quit. Pena Pena quit. Verbally tapped. Verbally tapped. Which then he tried to claim he didn't. But then it's like people heard you. He you verbally tapped. Well, you didn't beat me, dude. You verbal. That's a submission. A submission is a, 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 a verbal tap is a submission. Whether you have him position or not. No, he didn't choke you. He didn't put you in an arm bar. You still tap. You you quit. And then it and that's Gordon, how he that's how Gordon beat Jacob yep, Couch. Yep. He Jacob Couch was a verbal tap to pressure. That's what he was working when he fought Marinho yep. last month. He was working on the smother tap, which yep. again is basically a verbal tap yep. to pressure. And I mean that's what Pena did. He verbally quit yep. for whatever reason. And the ship, the real debacle started afterwards. After because Gordon and if you, and he he's released it and you can hear it. Gordon can uh, try to give his condolences and try to and you know and try to be respectful after the the tap and Pena started run started cussing. So then of course Gordon goes to be Gordon, Gordon. and he's like, okay, fuck you then. And then then the the whole Pena started releasing the stuff on Instagram, social media about how. He was pressured to fight. They didn't give him a choice. And then to the point to where Flo Grappling got involved and said, no. No. We're, we're, okay, so yeah. if you're going to bring us in and start talking, this is exactly what happened. P- 
Pina says, I'm not fighting because low die, which people were cool. So they went to Gordon and said, hey, man, he doesn't want – well, he wanted – he didn't say he wasn't going to fight. He just wanted a 30-minute time limit and to be the first match of the night, first yep. match on the main card. And Gordon said, no, we agree to no time limit to these rules. How about we just postpone it because I yep. understand what he's going – you know, I understand he's – Dealing with some stuff, we'll postpone it. Yeah, it was either do the fight, fight as it is, or, or we'll do it and he was, later. He was good, and Gordon was good to go to, to just do it later to give Pina that option. Well, Pina was like, "Well, I don't know," and they drug this out for hours. This like started like eight a.m. Yeah. So they doors, had to wake think, Gordon up. Yeah, the, I think the doors opened at five p.m. Yes. So prior, I think at two o'clock, Flow Grappling went back to Pina and said, "What are we doing?" Because we have to make an announcement now. Now, yeah. So our fans know that you're not fighting if you are or aren't fighting. And apparently, Flow Grappling saying that Pina hinted around that his his team asked for more money. So Flow Grappling paid him 20% above his agreed to purse. Yes. And he said, okay, yeah, I'll fight. And then he was. It's, it's kind of weird because the first 10 minutes. Pina was doing pretty good. Yeah. The, and then the stand-up like, exchanges, yeah. And then it's like the moment Gordon started doing what Gordon does and started taking control and actually and really exerting his his will and his pressure, Pina crumpled. Yeah. And then it's all because Lode Well, yeah, dude, okay. We understand. But don't talk trash and act like you didn't and then start making shit up and then continue to. It's just like, dude, you know, and then now, as of this morning, we, I was just, you know, this morning, Gordon's like, dude, I've offered him a rematch. Said, you know, yeah. name a date, name a weight, whatever you want to do, and, and Pina's not responding. It's like, you know, understood. But now, you know, you want to talk trash, but now you don't want to do the rematch. And, you know, because if they put in a guaranteed, guaranteed rematch, in the in the contract also as well to the twenty percent pay hike. Yes. Yep. It's it, that. Yeah. So it's becoming a debacle. Oh, it's it's a debacle, and that it's going to it's it's along the lines of the of the Galvo thing where you know Galvo ah. talks so much trash that then he gets slapped in the face not once, twice, twice, and they're supposed to settle that later this year. I, I think I think uh, Pina really figured out what was what when Gordon's they, Gordon's not the same. This is not the same Gordon Ryan you beat yeah, years ago. several years ago. This is a different beast, especially now that his stomach is fixed. Is better. This dude is a mon- you're he's you're dealing a, with somebody yeah. whose cardio is just phenomenal now, and he's just. I mean, if you not if you do not grapple or do jujitsu, you do not understand six minutes. Full speed is hard. Yeah. 45 minutes with two top-notch heavyweights is ridiculous. And being under being under Gordon with yeah. his top pressure is – that's a whole new level of, oh, my God, I want to die. I mean, some, hey, if you've never – if you've never been in that position, let, let someone who knows what they're doing – Put you in that position. Yeah. Put you in that top. Get let them get good side control. Let them get good mount, and p- just put pressure on you. Yeah. And and I watch people in here. I mean, there's people in here that still tap to pressure. 
you know, it, and it's uncomfortable. I'm not, you know, I've, knock on wood, I have not tapped the pressure in a long time. And I, we've got some guys in this gym that are, their, their pressure is ridiculous. We get, well, we got a couple guys that when they learn how to use their pressure, yeah. if Fluffy ever learns how to use pressure, and I get off ba- And I get off balance. We're hosed. But uh, I think it all started to go downhill when um, when Gordon did that running takedown yeah. from the rear yeah, when they when reset set, off yeah. of almost going out well, of bounds. Yes, yeah, so Pena turned his back. back. Yeah, like that right there, I thought was Pena giving up. Yeah, because from that I, point I on, when, it was the Gordon show. Yeah, oh yeah, it's like Pena had already broke. Yeah, and yeah, dude, I'm, dude, I, I give him. I, Pina got props for still competing after losing a close friend, but the idea that you then started making excuses and blaming others, and then when they call you out on your bullshit, like Flo Garapin, yeah, you started, you know, they pressured me into this, and they're like, no, okay, so we're now we're going to get involved because you're you're shaming us, and we didn't. This is exactly what happened, and then he doesn't. One, he doesn't respond back to Flo Grappling, but he doesn't attack them anymore. It's like, okay, so that's apparently what happened. Yeah. And you, I guess you assumed Flo Grappling wasn't going to see your shit or not defend themselves because you're calling a, you know... They're a, writing a, your check. Yeah, I and mean, you're calling their... You're basically saying that they forced you into doing something. You're tra- You're challenging their character. And... They put on a lot of shows, and they want to have that crap. Yeah, that was that. Yeah, the whole thing's turning into a lot of. Well, it's not even. It's not even. He said. She it's said. It's a pity anymore. party. It's yeah. I lost because of this, 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 and this. And I mean, Gordon, I was like, dude, you could have literally said, man, I just, I, I mentally wasn't there. I lost. Uh, we'll do it again. Instead, it's fuck you, fuck you. You're a piece of shit. Fuck you, fuck you to Gordon Ryan, and. Then you go on social media and it's like I didn't lose, I was forced into this. I didn't want to be there. And then make you know, and then uh, he's weak. I mean, he said Gordon Ryan was weak. He's like he didn't do nothing. Ten minutes, I dominated. He was nothing. And Gordon's like, yeah, but but who won the fight? He's like, for yeah, the first ten minutes you did really well, and then what? You wear yourself out. You get tired, and then I take over. The first ten minutes was stand up. Yeah. I mean, they but he talked spent a so lot much, of time on the feet. But Pena just started talking shit, and then it's like his it. And if you watch him, because I've watched him, you have to use the translate button because, you know, he's not speaking English. But if you look at some of the stuff, what's being said is he's literally, is he was shitting on Gordon. And then people were, when people started questioning, well, dude, you still quit. He, you tapped. You verbally yeah. tapped. That's still a submission. Well, then his flow grappling forced him to. He wasn't in the right mind because of losing low, and he shouldn't have been there. And then flow grappling was like, hold on, let's back the bus up. Yeah. This is what happened. This is minute by minute what happened that day. We didn't do anything you claiming. Then it's like, okay, well, uh, Gordon's still a dick. And it's like, okay, so basically you're, you're going in these directions that everybody's at fault but you. Dude, you lost. Yeah, you lost because, yeah, mate, dude, if you said my mind wasn't there, I lost my, you know, my close yeah. friend and... But I didn't want to disappoint the fans, and we wanted to put on a show. And dude, forty-five minutes is a hell of a show. Yeah, there's no that that right there should have been no, there was no disrespect. 
and you lose and you tap in after 45 minutes being in the emotional roller coaster. It's what transgressed after, yeah. and that's where the match was amazing. The match was great. The match that's was not the great. issue. It's the the debacle afterwards. Yeah, it's how he handled yeah. it afterwards. And I mean, you're right. the idea of a world champion of someone of his caliber being a sore loser. And that's what it sounds like. It doesn't. Well, it's not like a guy who went through a, through a devastating a sore, loss. It's a sore, it's a sore lo- loser. It's a sore loser when he quit. Yeah. It's not like it's not like he. It's not like Gordon did one by points, one by or points, a decision, or, 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 or refs decision, advantage, or, or something. Something. You right? submitted. You, you quit. He quit, and he won. You know, that's that's the thing that's the the most irritating thing about it. And at it. first, when he when he submit when he when he verbally tapped, a lot of people, a lot of big people were like, they were they were giving him props, and even supporters of Gordon Ryan were giving him mad props. They're like, dude, went through some shit and still put on a forty five minute match. Yeah. And people were like, I can't wait for them to do it again when they're both when when Pena is in his right mind. This is going to be amazing. And then it went downhill fast because then it's like this and fuck you and fuck that and it's just like you know sorry i'm dropping that phone i was like at a point it's like all you could have been gracious in your defeat and people would have understood you didn't even have to say it people understood what you're going through yeah and it would have been dude can't wait for the rematch man you know I, go, go get your mind right and we'll do this again because this ain't like striking it's not like they have to wait six months or a year for a rematch they could do it again in two months they could do it next week well and, and it's even it's even more so because he quit. Yeah. Right. I mean, there was there were some submission attempts, but nothing was locked yeah. in. Nothing was hyperextended. Right. I mean, there was Gordon was doing Gordon. Right. Yeah. He was trying to use pressure, yeah. um, you know, to, to advance position. So, I mean, theoretically, they could have done a rematch two days later. So, you know, give give Pena some sleep and some Xanax and go yeah. do it again. Right. And, and that's that's the really annoying thing because I would love to see a rematch. I would love to see a rematch just so it plays itself out. Yeah. Right. But he has made Pena has made such a a, a catastrophe of this whole situation. It's like instead of instead of accepting the loss graciously, or even saying um, I lost part of it, I, I quit because of where my mental was. People would have understood that and want to, you know. Of course, there had been. The trolls who to talk trash. Who, yeah, and most of those guys have probably never been on a mat in their life. Ignore you them. Ignore them. But the legit guys would have been, you know, understand them. Yeah. I mean, it, and, but it's instead he chose to go. Yeah, he the dirtbagger out. And it's just like, and and it's funny because Gordon's typically the heel. I mean, that's the, the angle he he loves, and he don't mind being the heel. But at this point, it's like, I understand. I understand Gordon's, you know, attitude about all this because yeah. it's like, dude, I am trying to, you know, give you condolences and thank you for the match, and you want to right off the bat want to be a douchebag. Yeah. So of course I'm going to out douchebag you. Yeah. And then this back and forth is just ridiculous. Yeah, and, and you know, Leandro's casting, you know, just just casting aspersion, not not mm-hmm. Leandro, not sorry, but uh, Pena, casting aspersions on everybody, yeah. you know, just to try to cover up. That Dude, he you, mentally broke. Yeah, you didn't get knocked. Which off. is understand. I mean, we're we're not trying yeah. to say anything bad about him. I mean, it's understandable that yeah, it's he not like thirty was, seconds in, you just got dominated. Yeah, you, I mean, you went forty five minutes and he just mentally wasn't there. Anymore. Yeah, and, and it's totally understandable. He lost yeah. a very close friend, yeah. right? On the flip side of that, Gordon said, "Hey, 
he gave him the option yeah, of postponing, of the, postponing fight. the fight. Because, yeah, the, Gordon was like, I was prepared to go home. I was going to go watch the fights and then go home. I wasn't going to compete because we wanted him to be in his right mind, and I understood what happened. That was yeah. tragic. And no issues. We we're cool to just reschedule it, man. No big, no big deal. We're good to go. And then it's like, no, he agreed to fight. Okay. And, you know, and Gordon didn't want 20% more. He didn't say, oh, well, you have to pay me more since you're paying him more. No, let's, let's just do this thing. Yeah. So this, this idea that it's, you know, yeah, it just, it became a shit. Hopefully it'll get straightened out. He, yeah, he had a devastating close friend die. And we can talk about that for a second. Lowe gets murdered being a good guy. Yep. He's out at a club. These two gentlemen get into an altercation. He separates them, to, you know, and apparently he ends up holding one down because I'm trying to get these guys to calm down from a fight. And they, they separate them, sort it out. Everybody thinks it's all good to go. Everything's fine now. And the gentleman that he held down pulls out a pistol, Go get, apparently goes gets a gun, comes back and shoots low in the head. Yep. And it's just like, what kind of crap is that? And, you know, we could talk, I mean, we could talk about just that's the reality nowadays that, you know, I'm going to shoot you instead of, you know, yeah. dealing with the things or anything else. It's, again, you know, sore loser. I got dominated by this world-class guy. I couldn't do nothing. He embarrassed me, so I better get my gun and teach him a lesson. I mean, they and they arrested them, the shooter. And I've, I've seen the videos of the, <laughs> the jiu-jitsu community standing outside of that jail demanding they give him up. The police give him over so they they can be, they can take they care can of, take care of business. Yeah, and Low Low was a good guy. Everybody everybody I've he never was a heard world a bad class, thing about world him. class. So you know we that that's sad, and you know yeah. we we give our condolences to his family and to his team, even to Pena. Man, I I understand your pride. It maybe after maybe Pena needs to quiet down and and reset, and you maybe he comes back out and says, dude. This was going on, and I handled it wrong. Yeah, and, and I, I think the community would be understanding if he. Came I'm still out. understanding because I, I mean, oh, a yeah, lot of I this know. is probably just everything on, at once, and you lash out because, dude, I've done it. I yeah. mean, you know. No, agreed, and and I think I think if he, like you said, if he goes home and reflects a little bit and comes out and says, yeah, you know, I kind of did some. You have some contrition, ask for forgiveness. I think yeah. the, the community as a whole and the industry will forgive him and he'll yeah. he'll be able to come back. Because it, it is, I mean, yeah, he was kind of a douchebag, but it's kind of understandable. He yeah, lost his best him, friend. He he talked trash. He didn't he didn't sucker punch anybody. Yeah. He's not, I mean, so, yeah, all you did was talk trash after you lost yeah, yeah it's, it's stupid, but at the end of the day, it'll be okay. uh, we can it, it can be quickly overlooked because if again you didn't sucker punch someone, yeah, it'll it'll you be you didn't okay. do anything dirty, you just talk trash, and talking trash happens. Yeah. So in addition to uh, to losing Leandro Lowe over the last couple of weeks, we also lost Judo Gene LaBelle. Yep. A couple of days ago, yep. um, what he was eighty three, eighty nine, eighty nine. Um, and 87 or 89. I thought he was, I thought once at 83, but I think he was like, I think they said 87 or 89. He was well up there, but he was well, well thought of. I mean, he was, he's like one of the dudes who really, really got some of these guys into MMA. 
89. He got these guys into, into it. Yep. He is considered the godfather of grappling. And he has trained everybody from um, Kazushi Sakuraba all the way up to Josh Barnett. Yeah, Josh Barnett. I mean, I think he Ronda Rousey's worked with him. Yep. I mean, um, he worked with the Gracies. He's done stuff everywhere. I mean. Uh, uh, Roddy Piper. He yep. worked on the professional wrestling, wrestling side, side with yep. Roddy Piper. Um, supposedly, because yeah, Roddy Piper was a was a LaBelle black belt in judo. Yep. Um, let's see. He was uh, supposedly he uh, choked out Steven Seagal and made Steven Seagal poop his pants. Yeah. Uh, well, there's there's a whole lot of people who back that story. Yeah. Apparently, LaBelle never talked about that. People were present. No one talked about that until until Seagal started talking about how. He manhandled LaBelle and embarrassed the judo master with his Aikido was so much better that then it was like, okay, this is what really happened. It's like uh, people, you know, a lot of people, you know, you'll see the thing once in a while where Chuck Norris gets choked out by the Gracies. And even Chuck Norris never talked trash about that. He talks about going and going down there and learning, but he was like, yeah, dude, I, I had no idea what to do on the ground. Guy got a hold of me, and that was that was it. I got taken down, and bad things happened to the point to where he was like, "I want to learn that stuff." <laughs> uh, but yeah, so that that Labelle choking out Seagal. There's been quite a few people who were present who backed it, but that story only came out because Seagal turned it around and claimed he beat up Labelle. That he beat up all the judo guys with his Akita. Sure. Um, yeah. yeah, whatever. Even even one of Seagal's bodyguards yeah. said that the the altercation happened. Now he did he he did mention he did not mention the uh, the pooping the pants part. Yeah, that's one of those things where, not, it, you know, that's one of the things you don't know if it happened. But he did get choked out by yeah. LaBelle. Um, so LaBelle uh, was actually um, he he got his start in catch wrestling. Yeah. Um, and submission grappling, he trained under Carl Gotch and Luthez. Yeah, he's trained under those, the, 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 like, gods of catch wrestling. Yep. That's why Kevin Barnett, I mean, it's why Barnett trained under him, because Barnett is a huge catch wrestler. Yeah, and it, um, if, you ever t- if you ever hear Barnett and LaBelle... They always make fun of the Kimura yeah. because it's a, it's a double standing wrist lock, yeah. and every time somebody calls it a Kimura, they like it's a double standing wrist lock. Yeah, because uh, Barnett talked about that every time he knew someone had uh, had talked to LaBelle when they walk up, and the first thing they say is, "Man, show show me that Kimura." <laughs> he's like, he's like, I don't even have to ask. I knew that they had talked to LaBelle, and LaBelle told him to do that. Yeah. So he's like, it's a st- standing double wrist lock. <laughs> Oh God! Because yeah, they would argue about what it, it's not called a kimura. It's a double, you know. Yeah, this is what we call it. Yeah, because well, yeah, because really the double the the double wrist lock goes back beyond. It goes it goes back beyond jujitsu, right? Yeah. Because really, um, kimura was a judoka. Yeah. Who took on Elio Gracie yeah. and broke Elio Gracie's yeah. arm, and. Elio then called the double wrist lock the Kimura. Just like the Americana is the reverse Kimura, and it's called the Americana because an American wrestler used it in jiu-jitsu tournaments. Yep. And they didn't know what to call it, and so they just started called it the Americana. Americana. <laughs> um, 
It's the American version of it's a reverse Kimura. Yeah, American Kimura. It's an Americana. Um, and of course, Boz Rutan also had a bunch to yeah. say about about Judo Gene. Um, so yeah, it's been kind of a rough week for the for the grappling world. We lost Gene LaBelle. We lost Leandro Lowe. Um, kind of waiting to see what the you know, the third shoe to drop because they always seem to come in threes. Well, then then we were talking about Roddy Piper and Ronda Rousey. You had the wrestling community is uh, <clears throat> Vince McMahon announced his retirement officially. He gave the company over. Yeah, he is no longer part of the WWE. Which again, I don't give a flying crap for the most part about that. The only thing I'm mad about is they, for whatever reason, you would do this. They decided to officially fire John Lennon, uh, Laronitis. The man's dead. What? And WWE released officially that they fire him now. Terminate are you all. Yeah, it's like, the man's dead. Don't, why are you woke? Because they claim he was uh, apparently some of these, compl- you know, the whole Vince McMahon yeah. having sex. Didn't, the issue with this is apparently it's not that they weren't consensual. It's that he used a little bit of money from the company to say, hey, here's some money. Don't tell nobody. Not, hey, I did something foolish, is that he was having consensual relationships with younger women, and then he would just give them a little bit of a gift to just not tell the tabloids, basically. Don't go to TMZ about it, okay? And apparently he was using corporate money to do it, and that's apparently a big no-no, but they said Larry Nidus knew about it and didn't do nothing about it, didn't tell nobody. So they officially fired him. It's like, dude... Why would you step on his legacy like that? No one cares. If he, if this had been like a rape case, yeah, okay. But it's just, hey, you know, uh, Vince McMahon was, you know, getting his carrot wet with some younger interns and gave him a little bit of money to not tell the tabloids about it. Probably yeah. not tell my wife. Hey, don't tell my wife. Yeah, right. Here's a diamond ring. <laughs> well, that that's the 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 Kobe. Bryant. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Thing. So, when did when did Laurinaitis die? Because he's still listed as alive. No, Laurinaitis died a while back. I thought, yeah, because we celebrated Road Warrior Animal. I mean, we did a whole show about it. Yeah, but that's... This is the one. This is the dude who got fired. Yeah. Dude, that... John Laronitis, that's, you know, yeah. But that's because he's, because he's, uh, knew about it. I mean, they're just shitting on the Laronitis family. Well, yeah. It's the well, whole idea is why so would you is, do this it? This is the brother. Yes, but you're shitting on Laronitis' family. Why do you go through uh, all oh, this okay, yeah. after his brother? I'm, you know, that, that's I'm what I'm sorry. saying. I, I misunderstood. I thought you meant no. I figured I, I thought re- you meant no. Joe Laronitis no. died. He's no, making. No. It, yeah, he's the brother of Road Warrior yeah. Animal who did pass away that we talked about. He, sorry. Yes. Yep. Yeah, all right. And I'm tracking. There, My it's bad. like they're firing him after the fact that he's already he no longer works there. Right. Yeah. And then oh yeah, well, you're officially fired. Who gives a flying fuck? Yeah. All you're doing is a step in... Well, because they made innuendos about Road Warrior Animal being involved as well. Because he was like a consultant or like a, a trainer... Uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, development. Like uh, character oh, development. Character and, development. Uh, I think. And so it's this whole idea 
of, oh, well, we're going to officially make this official. It's like, dude, why? I mean, you're... Cause yeah, it, that's kind of goofy. To me, it's like they're trying to smir- besmirch Animal's legacy after he's dead. Right. So we're going to fire his brother, John Laronice, who, you know, has been involved in this stuff forever. Yes, okay. You And all he did was they, they're claiming he knew that Vince McMahon was twiddling with younger women. Okay, what... So your boss is twilling an employee. You know, did he do? Did he, he didn't force these women? There's no sexual misconduct allegations. Is that basically all I'm seeing? Is that he used corporate money? It, it's financial and it, vi- and it violated tax law. <laughs> well, yeah. What it comes down to is the IRS might come snooping. That's the to fastest see where way the to money get yeah, is. That and that's how it got. You know, that's what happened. Apparently. There were some inquiries on where some of this money was going. And that's what it comes down to. It's like, oops. So, you know, advice, don't use corporate money to pay off your relationships. Pay off your relationships. Bad idea. But then again, if you use your personal funds, then your wife's like, where'd this money go to? What did you buy? But, yeah, I'm just, yeah, it's just, to me, it was like kind of like a attempt because they included... Road War Animal and this whole idea that his brother, you know, knew about it and then Animal may have knew about it and there's been this, and it's like, why are you going to even bring up a dude who's dead, man? Yeah. Why would you do that? I mean, it, like I said, if he did something hinky. That's one thing. But just to say, yeah, they knew that Vince McMahon did this. He's been doing it for a long time. Okay, so if the dude's been doing it for 20, 30 years... Everybody knew he was doing well, I mean, this. Com- and apparently this it wasn't a secret. Well, to, <clears throat> and to be completely fair, right, that was c- when he was taking an active role yeah, in that the storylines. That was, I mean, he was the genetic jackhammer. Yeah, and, yeah, right? he, I mean, it was kind, that was kind of part of the He was on TRT. Shtick. I mean, dude. That dude was TRT, yeah, okay? I 50, mean, When you're 50 and 60 years old coming out there. That look, jacked, and you're more jacked than your son coming out there. like, Ugh. And, or, you know, your son-in-law, Hunter, you know, Triple H is, you know, wearing suits because he's got a little pudgy and Vince McMahon's coming out there like, whoa. Yeah, and, and he's flirt, on the cover of Muscle and Fitness yeah, talking, and Flex. And, talking shit to the female stars and they, you know, the whole, the whole, because, I mean, didn't, yeah, they had the whole storyline where he was messing with one of them and his wife got involved and she fired him and she took control of the company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then she quit having an active role in WWE because she was running for Senate. Yep. So, but that there was, for a while, that was it was like that was a storyline. I yeah, think it was. It, well, I think it was Sable. Maybe I could be wrong because uh, you know it was like the storyline. Not saying he slept with her, but that was the storyline. I think it might have been someone else, but it was. But I think it was a storyline that he was messing with one of the female stars. Yep. And then his wife got involved, and she come out, and then they had the whole taking sides and yada yada yada. Uh, yeah, I mean, I re- I, it, uh, no, it wasn't. Yeah, I think it was. It was Sable, or it was one of the one one of those because it was that was during the time when um, what was it? The Hardy Boys had Lita, Lita with her, and and she was Lita was awesome. Lita was awesome, uh, and she was catfishing Dean Malenko, mm-hmm. yeah. and there was that whole thing. And Dean Malenko's probably. He's one of the greatest of all time, the man of a thousand moves. Yeah. Dude would put on, like, legendary matches with people. I mean, watching, because, you know, being out from work, I've been watching a lot of uh, 
Japanese pro wrestling, the New Japan pro wrestling. Yeah. And like they had Justin Thunder Lager. I got to watch his last match. Oh, he was. And yeah. they were talking about how many matches he'd had. Something, some almost like 6,000 wrestling matches. And this was his retirement. It was like a year ago, but he had his official retirement. And uh, New Japan does things called Wrestle Kingdom, where it's a two-night thing. So you have two nights. And the guys fight typically both nights. Okay. So on the first night, Jushin Thunder Lager was an eight-man tag team. Where all these older stars, you know, some of the older guys, some of the younger guys, all kind of did it together. Was, and yeah, and they did this, and he and he got he got pinned in the eight man eight man, and then he did I think a tag team match on the next night, and he was the one who got pinned. And the guys he competed with, the, you know, the eight man tag, they actually picked him up and carried him around the ring. Everybody, the guys he was competing against, you know, they're cheering and doing this thing, and then he. You know, he also got pinned in the tag team match. And it was just like, that right there shows you the class of, this is my last matches, and yeah. I'm going to lose. I want to be the guy who loses. And, I'm, you know, because he fought guys closer to his age and his career in the eight-man tag. And then he, him and a, his partner fought a younger tag team. And it's just like, but the dude's still doing those backflips and the cartwheels, and it's like, cool. And, but he was, you know... People don't, you know, if you don't watch wrestling, you don't know who Juice and Thunder Liger was, but he was amazing. He he did a couple of shows in the WCW. Well, he was in WWF too, but yeah, he was in WCW when they first uh, started bringing in like Conan yeah. from Mexican wrestling. And then you had the guys, uh, you started having the young flyers, like Dean Malenko came in. Then you had, you know, you had these young uh, luchador style fighters coming in. And that's, yeah. And he came in a part of that. Because you had Billy, or Billy, uh, Billy Gunn. No, uh, the other one he would he did the Shooting Star Seven Twenty. Then you had the Hardy Boys coming out. He do he wrestled in like a pair of jean shorts and had like a tank top on. I'm trying to remember his name, but he he did a lot of that sort of stuff. He, he wasn't one that. of the Guerreros, was no, it Eddie? No, this was a little. Uh, I it was an American. Okay, the Guerreros. I mean, hell, you still have some of them fighting now. You know, Rey Mysterio and his son. And, yeah. But it's just that idea of, you know, how far back it goes. But yeah, New Japan Wrestling, dude. I, it's like, my wife's like, you you still watching this? I'm like, this is awesome. This is great. She's like, they don't speak English. I don't care. The matter. announcers do. Doesn't matter. And they translate it. I don't care. I really don't care. I mean, John Moxley from the WWF fights in New Japan. and Well, he fights in AEW now. But he was with WWF. Now he's AEW. Yeah. He was, you know... Dean Ambrose. Dean Ambrose. Now he's, you know, now he's wrestling under his real name, John Moxley. Or, well, that's his new name. His wife is the co-host with uh, Misha Tate on their podcast. I, uh, you know, I really miss, um, I'm, I miss Lucha Underground. Yeah. That was, that was fun because it, it had There's one a, on, uh, they, there still is uh, wrestling that comes on, what's his face's, uh, Rodriguez's channel. Yeah, that was Lucha Underground. Yeah, they still have a form of it, I think. Um, yeah, it's their um, all. It, it's not the Lucha Under. It's the it's some of the same guys because you got Blue Demon, yeah. you got Blue Demon Junior, and I think Pentagon uh, or uh, Pentagram Black, and some of the the same characters. What's funny is that uh, when we were younger, the only way we got to see those guys was if you bought the pay-per-views. Yeah. Because I remember watching some of these, these like, 
underground these underground wrestling turn things from like out of Mexico City or you know sometimes they'd be like out of Southern California and it'd be American wrestlers that you knew from you know the NWA or you know some of that stuff and they'd be wrestling these guys and they would be good guys in the NWA but they'd be the bad guys in those things mm-hmm. well it's like Scott Hall and Kevin Nash were good guys in Japan yeah they were bad guys here, but they were the good guys there. And then the Steiners, who were good guys in WCW, were bad guys were heels in Japan. over there. Yeah. yeah, they were the heels. It's like you know. The thing that I liked about Lucha Underground was the the the, the storyline. Yeah. There was a cohesive storyline that was kind of going on behind the scenes because you had the you know the owner or whatever you wanted to call it of the the temple and yeah. you know the kind of. The, the somewhat supernatural, yeah. right? Because it kind of it kind of played into some of the Mexican folklore, yeah. you know, part of it. So you had um, what was it? Uh, Vampiro yeah. was one of the announcers, and it turned out he was the master. Yeah. It was it was just it was fun. Dude could barely walk anymore from all the yeah. He was he was in he was in bad shape. Yeah. Oh yeah, dude. Well, I mean, he he did some of that. I mean, he they were doing that he crazy. He was one crap. of those. It's yeah. like Terry Funk, man. Terry Funk was doing hardcore before hardcore was cool. Yeah, he was doing a lot of that. Yeah, a lot of that hardcore. Bob you know. Wire death match and stuff before that. I mean, think about when, dude. I mean, he was a legend already when him and Mick Foley were, you know. Chainsaw Charlie and stuff was doing the yeah, Mankind yeah. and Chainsaw Charlie stuff. I mean, Terry Funk was already like, dude, you're, you know, well, hell, Ric Flair's last match. I mean, yeah. it was supposed to be a singles match and ended up becoming a tag team match because you're supposed to fight Ricky Steamboat, Steamboat, and I guess that fell out. And then it was supposed to be someone else, and then they decided he teamed up with his new son-in-law. His daughter Charlotte got married a month, month and a half ago. Mm-hmm. And so he teamed up with his new son-in-law and they took on Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal. And Flair, I mean, it was a, for a guy in his 70s, I mean, it was a pretty good match. Flair did pass out at one point. They had to get him <laughs> back up and going. Well, but he got the win. Jeff Jarrett was pinned. And the fact that... Uh, you had a lot of the old school stars there. You had Bret Hart was there, and a bunch of guys were there to watch and cheer him on, and it was cool. Yeah, it's. Uh... And the Jeff Jarrett got permission to come and fight, to be in it because I mean he's with a, another promotion, and he was allowed to because it was Flair's last hurrah. Yeah, but professional wrestling is. I mean, you've got all the, or you used to. You've still got some of the territories, right? And you've got yeah. the independent scene, but it's still a very. But you um, sign contracts. They're very strict about their contracts. Yeah, but it's also a very incestuous family. Yes, too, because yeah. uh, there's an awful lot of. Well, the funny thing is, so Tony Khan owns AEW, and the Jacksonville Jaguars, and I think he's he's a big promoter in MMA. I think he's like what share part owner of the PFL. Yeah. But I think I think his family's now co co owners of the WWE. Hmm. Because that uh, I did not know. You know, the da- you know, Vince's daughter, Stephanie McMahon, Hunter Hurst Hemsley's wife, is now the president and CEO, but she's co CEO with a Khan. Mm. And Tony Khan owns everything. 
So I'm curious. I haven't looked much into it. It was like, that could be interesting. But speak, speaking of Tony Khan, he's willing to, the PFL's willing to pump up a million dollars for Cyborg to fight Kayla Hansen. Harrison. Yeah. A million bucks, purse, two million to the winner. So you can make $3 million, $3 million to the winner. $3 million. Did you see uh, Rory get knocked oh, out? Oh, yes, oh. by a last-minute fill-in? Yes. It's like, dude, I think your time, you were the, the, the you were the king. But now I think it's time to. Delano was, Taylor. Yeah, dude just come in and just murked him. It, yeah, it that was. That was one of the biggest upsets. Yeah, that was. Mm. Well, um, uh, so you see the stuff about Nick Diaz? Uh, what now? Well, no. So he, we, we were making talking trash because he quit against Robbie Lawler and, you know, basically didn't answer the bell, that quarter sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Apparently, he he shouldn't have been fighting anyway. He had two herniated discs. Oh, damn. To the point to where the, the doctor after the fight was like, how are you even walking? Apparently, he herniated his disc before the fight. Was a, uh, was basically, according to his, his management team, his team was that the, the UFC kind of made it that if you back out of this fight, you're probably not going to fight again. We're probably not going to give you another fight. Damn. So they felt like they didn't have a choice but to go. So he was out there with two herniated discs in his neck that he's since had titanium plates put in. Yeah. So that's why he's still kind of out on the shelf. Yeah, so I hadn't he had, heard that. Yeah, yeah, he had surgery. So it's like, wow. Yeah. That's, it's like, okay, that kind of makes sense. Why that makes the dude sense. That was a legend just kind of quit. It's like, yeah, I can't walk. Yes, my shit don't work. My uh, feet ain't moving. That's, that's why he looked, probably why he looked so sloppy. Because yeah. his nerves weren't fine. Yeah, it's like, my brain's sending the signals, but my, my limbs are not getting the message. It's like, you know, I'm a huge Junior Seau fan. And I remember when he played in the Super Bowl with the Chargers versus the 49ers, and he had pinched a nerve in his neck, and his arm didn't work yeah so he literally only had one working arm because he wasn't about to miss the super bowl mm-hmm. so he was you could see his arm just kind of flailing because he didn't really have much control over it. he would just kind of tackle with one arm and kind of flip the other one around <laughs> it's like that right there i mean there's yeah. certain times when you just get after it like me walking yesterday it, it sucks but let's do it gotta do it and it's, it's funny because I had, you know, people on Twitter that I don't know. People, some guy was like, you know, this guy congratulating me on, on starting my weight loss trip. And I was like, nah, dude, I'm recovering from, yeah, recovering I'm recovering from, from surgery. surgery. And then he sent me a message like, dude, that's even more impressive. <laughs> He's like, I thought you were just starting like a weight loss, you know, like, you know, starting walking to get better health. I was like, nah, dude, I'm learning how to walk again. <laughs> Well, you know, at least it's, you know, cool. And, yeah. You know, it's cool that, they, that they're reaching out, even yeah. if they don't necessarily understand what's going on, you and know. Yeah, it's, it's just like, no, nah, dude, I'm, you know, this isn't like a first step in a weight loss journey. This is my first step, period. It's like learning to walk. Oh. It's like, you know, that Foo Fighters song, Learning to Fly. Yeah. It's about how it feels like I'm learning to walk all over again. It's uh, like, you know, my poor wife yesterday, I come in from, from walking and... She was like, are you okay? I was like, yeah, it hurts a little bit, but it's good. And then I did a couple other things around the house. And then I sat down on the couch. And she was like, your, your ankle looks puffy. I was like, yeah, it looks a little swollen. So I took my, my shoes off and my, <laughs> my sock, and it just like looked like I had two, uh, had like two lemons on either side of my ankle. Yeah. And then swelled up. And she was like, we're getting ice on it right now. She didn't ask me. She told me, you're putting ice on it. 
Right. Yeah. Which, oh yeah, I'm I'm really gonna complain. I put my feet up on the on the table, and my wife, you know, put ice on it, and I got to, I got to enjoy peace and quiet and watch TV. Hey, can't ask for much more than nope. that. Nope. My wife, my wife's great. I will agree with that. <clears throat> you got anything else on the fights, man? Nah, man. We 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 covered a whole, whole lot, lot in there. Yep. Yeah, it's been two weeks. We gotta get we gotta get that you know. Gotta get that caught back up. Yep. All right, we will be right back after hearing from episode 11 special guest Matt Warner, his new novel, Mage Tech Duet. We'll be right back with Jiu-Jitsu Corner. Hang tight. When I started work as a hitman for the psychic underworld, I was cool with it. The world needed washing of that special stain of filth known as other people, and I was the cleaner. Know what I'm saying? And I'm good at my job man with the Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt and reverse engineered alien tech. I'm the meanest mother you ever met. So when my boss told me to cap that recording artist, Eva, I had no problem with that. Send her to hell with my black hole shotgun if that's what it takes. But then I started having feelings for her. Damn. And then I met her six-year-old boy. And I ain't capping a kid. So it's gonna be me. Samuel Coventry against the whole Mafia. I hear they got fancy crap like tactical time travel devices. Well, so be it. Capping a chump is gravy. Capping a poser? That's gravy on rice. You want to hear more? I'm telling my whole story to author Matthew Warner in a book called Mage Tech Duet. It's available only on Amazon Kindle. More information at MatthewWarner.com. And we're back. All right, so for Jiu-Jitsu Corner, I've got kind of a twofer. These are are related, so just stick with me for a little bit. So um, I've got this. I got this theory, and Jerry will understand what I'm talking about. But I've I've, ta- I've thought about it in the past as as entering shit mode but I've I've recently been starting to call it going zero and basically what it is is when you see a situation where you're supposed to be having a good time and you realize that something's going wrong and you can do something to contribute to the situation to make it better and you just kind of give up on the idea of having a good time and you pitch in with a bunch of other people you improve the situation, you fix whatever the problem is. And I love being around people who have the ability to go zero because in the beginning it starts out, it's like, oh man, this is going to kind of, you know, suck. I'm, you know, we're here to do whatever. And then when you start going zero, right, that's when like the dark humor mm-hmm. and the deadpan humor come out and you start, you, know, you, you pull together and you make, uh, you make the situation better. And, and the situation that, that I'm particularly thinking of is, you know, I'm going to leave some of the, some details out to protect the innocent, but my wife and I were at an event a couple weeks ago and um, it was a pretty special event for the, for the folks who were there. And we were there as invited guests and, you know, just through you know, some folks who were supposed to do things that didn't quite show up and a little bit of a lack of planning there was an opportunity for this event to kind of go sideways and turn into a shit show. And, you know, we, my wife and I and a couple of the other folks who were invited to take part in this kind of saw what was going on and, 
we decided to go zero. We, you know, skipped being part of the festivities and we jumped in and you know, helped out the situation and we made it better than it would have been had we, we not, you know, jumped in and lent it a hand. And of course, like, you know, like you said, when you kind of give up on the idea of having fun, right, it's dark humor, sarcasm, and just getting it done. But it, that's a cool situation to be in, yeah. right? Especially with people who have a like mindset. It's like, okay, fuckers, let's, you know, there's my F-bomb. It's, you know, okay, fuckers, let's go get this done, right? And the, the way that this ties into jujitsu is a lot of folks... You've got a gym and you've got a team, but people wonder, you know, how do we create good gym culture? There's a lot of discussion around how do we create and and foster good gym culture. And I think the root of having great gym culture, and we've talked about it, we've talked about one of them in the past, is just don't be a scumbag, yeah. right? But the other one is put more into the gym than you're getting out of it leave the situation better than you found it. I mean, that's yeah. really how you create a great gym culture is, yeah, you know, you can look at it as a business and, hey, I'm paying X amount of money and I, that gets me five classes a week and I'm going to get my five classes and then, you know, hey, guys, I'm out because I'm paying for a service and this is a business and see y'all later. But you know what? If that's your if that's your attitude, fine. But you're not you're not adding to the gym culture, right? Adding to the gym culture is staying after and helping clean. It's when you're in here on a Sunday and you know your coaches or or you know the the upper belts are in here and they're repainting the walls, right? It, it's carrying your buddy around on <laughs> on your shoulders to like Make, making the coaches think you're crazy. Yeah, yeah. To, to to repaint and replace all the light switch covers, the electrical covers. Yep. It's you know if they're if you guys are doing a, coming in here after we put up the they had to redo the walls and had to redo stuff and there was. Uh, drywall dust all over the mats i came in here on a sunday and cleaned for six hours just to help out yeah i had a shot back i came in here and helped clean now they had to come and do it again and again and again you know we had to do it several times but i came in here and helped yeah yeah it you know if you guys are having you know if your team's having a a, a cookout or you know a picnic or something show up be involved show up early help set stuff yep. up you know stay a little bit later clean up the mess you know it's not just your coaches or the gym owner's responsibility to do these things like he's doing those thing he's doing those things to try to create gym culture and you have to participate in order for there to be good gym culture i'll 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 take this as part to go personal with this the gym culture and the part that i have become in this gym is I broke my freaking leg and I had guys in a heartbeat and women too but I had my teammates in a heartbeat come over to my side to my aid not just the coach you know the owner of the gym because it's his responsibility it was my teammates helping me my teammates checking on me afterwards my best friend Scott but you know going to pick up my wife Another teammate driving, you know, making sure our car got there. Um, people checking on me while I'm out of the gym. 
man, how are you doing? Messages, phone calls, not just from our coach, but from everybody. Hey, man, how are you doing? Is it you okay? You need anything. You know, you good. I mean, that's a gym culture. And I'm proud in the fact that I contribute to the gym culture. Mm-hmm. To the point that our coach, even though we're silly, knows that if he needs something, he can trust us to do it. He can trust us to teach the kids class. They might learn wrist locks and, and sneaky jokes, but we're going we're yeah. to teach them. I mean, that's, that's the gym culture. That's what Scott is saying. And, and, but I've seen, we've seen it. We've seen the guys who show up. Mm-hmm. I'm paying my dues. They walk in. They show up. They do, do the lesson. They're not a good training partner because they only want to go 1,000% when it's their turn to drill, and then they really don't want to do enough to be a good training partner for, for their partner. And then they out the door they go. Yep. Yeah, it's and you, and leave really the place don't... better than when leave leave the place better than when you came in. And they're typically the ones that then complain and say they didn't yeah. feel welcome or they didn't get enough out of it. It's like you didn't put nothing into it. Yeah. 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 You get you get out of it what you put into it, and you know you you've got to put in order to create that culture. You got to put more into it than you get out of it. Yeah. I mean. It, Especially in a, in a, and you have to feel you have to feel comfortable with your partner. Jujitsu is that. I mean, this isn't karate where we're going to throw. I'm going to throw this kick. You're going to throw this kick. I'm going to throw this punch. You're going to throw this punch. And we're standing there and we're doing it. Even if they're touch sparring, you're still doing the exact same thing. And you're jujitsu is a very very close. It's very awkward, intimate. Intimate positions, yeah. and you have to feel comfortable. I mean, you're literally trusting your your partner not to kill you i mean we're putting you know we're putting you in these chokes and positions and you know like i said even when the guy i talked about earlier when the guy made me mad i still told him to duck his head i didn't have to because i could have spiked him right on top of his noggin yeah but i'm still controlled enough to say hey man you might want to turn your head because i'm about to i'm about to escape your little your, your, your little guillotine here and i'm going to do it in you know a throw but, so, gym, but gym culture is important. Yeah, if you're going to be in a gym for a long period of time, if you you know if you're going to be there, you the gym culture is as equally as important as the the level of instruction that you're getting because it's if it's if it's a bad gym culture, if it's a bad scene, you're not going to want to stick around. Yeah, because even if it's, even if you have the greatest coach in the world, if the the gym culture itself sucks, you're not going to learn anything. Yep. I'd I mean you. That's what you, you're, you can see it now. Some of these small-time teams are starting to make a big impact in the world of mixed martial arts and competitive jiu-jitsu and competitive grappling because they might not be this huge team, but the guys there and the girls there are a close-knit group, and they have, you know, well, I've never heard of that coach. Yeah, but he's got some top little people, and they're beating everybody because – the culture itself is good, and the team is good. City kickboxing, yeah, out of, out of New Zealand, right? I mean, it's like city kickboxing, and they're pumping out champions, champions. Um, B team, you know, the call them. I don't know what you want to call them, but you know, the guys who didn't go with Danaher yeah. to, to New Wave, they formed the B team, right? And they're kind of teaching themselves, yeah. but they're so. You got Craig Jones, but they're so tight knit, right? They're putting out, you know, 
a crazy amount of, of high level competitors. It, it's all about it's all about that culture. Yeah, and, and, and yeah. what you create. And and if you don't think that you're contributing to gym culture, to the culture of your gym, if you show up to the gym, you're contributing to the culture of the gym, whether it's a positive or a negative. Yeah, it's. You you want to know if you're if you're if you're if you're a good member of your gym, if you don't show up for class if like if you don't show up for a class or two, do people reach out and look for you? I mean, are you okay? Is everything cool? Yeah. You need anything? Are you you know what's what's going on? That's when you know you're you're in a good gym culture. If no one notices you're missing, then you're either in a bad gym or you're not a good. Yeah, member you're of not gym contributing. Because here, man, if we miss. <laughs> Dude, if you miss a class, somebody's checking on you. Somebody's, hey, man, what happened? Yeah. Like, where were you? Where, where were you? You were you supposed good? to be here. Everything okay? I mean, uh, do you need anything, man? You did? You need, you need a supply run? I mean, the, I mean, literally. I mean, God, these, yeah. these guys in here, guys and girls, man. I mean, I'm, I'm laid out with, with, a, with a bad leg, and I've got we got our little the sisters here. They, they come to my house and brought me M&Ms and lemonade and hung out and talked to me for a while. I mean, because... Because that's the gym culture we prefer. Yep. So, bottom line for, for Jiu-Jitsu Corner today is if you see a situation that you can contribute to that and you can make it better, make it better, even if it means you're not going to have the good time you thought you were going to have. And Sometimes being an adult means, you know, yeah, not having the most fun. Yep. But be sure to, you know, have a have a, a, a good, bad have a good bad attitude about it and have some dark humor and yeah throw that out there throw that out there and and if you've got if you are going to a gym you're contributing to the culture of that gym make sure that you're a positive addition to that gym leave the place better than than you found it and give back to the gym more than you get from it that's how you that's how you have a good gym and a good team so, all right, so we will hear from our sponsor and we'll be back with Jerry Seriously in just a minute. And we're back. All right, Jerry, floor's yours. All right, this week, my seriously, is there's so many things we could talk about, but the one that caught my attention the worst this week is Georgia. Um, Georgia. And. I'm not sure what group was involved, but apparently uh, some of these groups like Guardian Group and you know, different things like that that are, are out there proactively searching for sex trafficking uh, and child sex crimes, uh, they found uh, an individual who was uploading child pornography. So Georgia State Police and I think the county that they were in, they uh, were able to find the IP address and they raided this gentleman's house. He quickly rolled on who was giving him the videos to upload. So the next night, they raided, raided this house, uh, I think just outside of Atlanta, uh, 11.30 at night. Um, I'm a little, I, I, I don't know why they chose to be at night, but I guess to make sure these individuals were both present at the time. And that the children involved were present at the time because apparently <laughs> the children being used for these videos were adopted by this couple and that's what makes the story worse is that these children were adopted 
and who are for the sole purpose apparently of being victims and being used for child porn. That's just disgusting. Uh, there's been several, I saw several news stories about it, and most of them, you know, were just briefly touching on the fact that it was a, uh, a gay married couple, two gentlemen. That, we've talked about that before, other than the fact of, of just stating who they were and, you know, establishing the fact that they're a married couple, that then they were adopted these children, the rest of their, of that doesn't matter to me. Because I've said it before and I'll say it again. They're not an example, and they should not be used as an example of the gay community. These are predators. Yes, their orientation may be one way or the other, but these are predators. predators. They're not a representative, and I hope to God that the gay community doesn't try to defend these people or take or or anything. These are predators. These are diseases amongst humans, not amongst a group. The and and. The media shouldn't portray them as, well, this is what... Because I, I saw someone write a thing saying, well, this is what happens when you allow gays to adopt. No, that is not true. No. This is predators using a system to gain victims. Now, what we should be figuring out is, does the state of Georgia and the community and the adoption agency, do they not do follow-ups? Uh, how do they vet these people? Uh, what is the vetting process like? Uh, that's what we should be thinking about. Because as soon as you start saying this is what this is what happens when you allow them, we can I can go back and bring up hundreds of other stories where it's straight couples that are doing the exact same thing. Yes. So let's just leave it at that. I'm focused on the fact that I'm trying to uh, maybe we should do better with the process. Close personal friends of ours, they adopted a young girl, and they have to go through stuff. I mean, I think they're still, uh, still have to have the, the court system still comes and checks on the little girl and everything, and which they're open to, but I'm, I don't know what George's thing is because it's like this apparently has been going on for a while. This isn't like all of a sudden. This is apparently they've been doing repeatedly. Yeah. And the only reason they got found out is because they found they caught this dude uploading child porn, and he quickly told who he was getting it from. Yeah. Well, it, and they they actually used the school district to identify these two children. Oh. The school district are able to say yes, these two kids live here, and this is where they live. Social sir, and part of the problem is the social service is overwhelmed. System is overwhelmed to the point where. Do, do they have some sort of oversight in Georgia? I'm sure they have some sort of oversight, yeah. but like how many, yeah. how many how many do they have to do and do they can they really spend the time? But that's that's the issue. If if we can afford to pay some of this to, to spend the money on some of this dumb stuff that we do, 87,000 new, new IRS, IRS agents, then we can spend money to figure out what's happening to our children. That's what I think that's what why that story popped in my head because we, you know, are are you know some of our foreigner listeners don't understand that, but our wonderful country just elected to spend $80 billion to hire IRS, which is our Internal Revenue Service, which is people who uh, you pay check on your taxes every year. We're, we're doubling the size, more than doubling the size of its current, uh, current total to where we the largest single government office here. 87,000 
new new on top of like what they already had like something like sixty eight thousand. Uh-huh. So they're basically double it. They're yeah. they're at least doubling it. So if we can spend that kind of money to do that, and we've been hearing arguments for two years where we can't afford to hire better security or better schools, but we can hire more people to look to get more taxes. Uh, $80 billion would have went a long way to provide more oversight and for stuff like this. Yeah. And Or better school security or... And, well, all we see now, I mean, every time you turn around, there's something going on in our schools. Uh, young girls are raped. Uh, young men are brutally beat up by other other teenagers. Teachers are being attacked. And it's like, okay. And now it's, well, we can't hire enough teachers. Well, teachers are tired. I mean, people mm-hmm. don't no longer want to be a teacher because of what's going on. It's like they can't be a teacher because you can't pun- you know can't punish people. Locally, our school system prior to school starting because the new school year started was like, hey, this is the cell phone policy in writing for parents. And they put it out there. They made it very, very clear. Before school started, your kid cannot have his cell phone in class, period. That includes smartwatches. We do not want to see them. They're a disruption. No personal laptops, no personal tablets. It's to be left in their locker. And I saw parents being like, well, oh my goodness, well, but that... But they have a phone so they can call us. They can tell the teacher they need to call and go to the office. Well, but but they could get emails. What kid in middle school and high school is that important that they need to check their emails 24-7? Yeah. I mean, one was like, well, but that's where some of the coaches tell the teams whether they're practicing or not. Well, the school's got up, an intercom. That's yeah, it's like that's what the intercom system is for. Hey, there's no there's no this today. No when I went to practice. high school, when we went to high school, hey, if practice was canceled, they announced it over the intercom. Yeah, wrestling practice is canceled today. You know, this is canceled today. This is active today. This, you know, there's no activity bus today. Make arrangements, and they would tell you that early. So then at lunchtime, hey, mom. Yeah, I need to. There's no, there's no activity whatever. bus. What's going on? You know, I need, <clears throat> need to ride. Or your coach would be like, "Hey, there's no activity bus, but we'll make sure you get home." Yeah, you do. You know, but they had to make that out, and you have all these parents. Oh my God, that's wrong. Okay, and then you see teachers getting attacked in school, and nothing's done to the students. There's no punishment, and then the teachers are like, "Why am I going to make this much amount of money?" and possibly get injured yeah or if the teachers don't agree with what's being taught they're basically like well then you don't have a job well i don't want to teach this you know i don't believe in this curriculum Mm -hmm. well then you can't work here you know but we're going to spend 80 billion dollars to hire eighty-seven thousand government tax agents but we can't protect our children yeah and it's you know we 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 have this finger pointing well well if we do this and it's your fault this happens well it's your fault this happens but right there's a prime example eighty billion dollars so that they can make sure you pay them every penny they want but not but when it was said hey it would cost twenty four billion dollars to put a resource officer and harden all the schools to where they only have one entrance and they have to have a key card to get in and out. 
That's too much. Mm-hmm. So, twenty-four billion is too much to protect our children. Eighty billion is okay to hire more people to get, get every to every penny after yeah. out of the working man and woman. See where your priorities are. That, you know. So my seriously, you know, is yeah. I use that case because that's what's going on nowadays. Uh, Guardian Group. We talk about them all the time. You know. If you want to look at some scary stats, look at the stuff that they publish. Thirteen, right now, there's thirteen thousand women and children being sexually trafficked in San Bernardino County alone in California. Thirteen thousand victims of this. And then you see these people. Oh well, but she's she's an adult. She's a willing participant to be in a prostitute. Are they? You get to a point where it's like, yeah. Are they? We've joked about you know I, we've we've joked about escorts and things like that, and it's like you can see where some of them may be willing to do it. We've joked about it, but some of these women don't have a choice because if they back out, they get hurt. And we're gonna have a uh, we're gonna have a guest on yeah. here uh, pretty soon. We'll we'll uh, save the announcement for when we get it it settled. But this particular um, individual has a an in-depth knowledge of trafficked women, the situations that they come from, and to get into that area, that area of life, for, for lack of a better term, and what it takes to get them out. So, yeah, because this, yeah, this isn't, I mean, I think we talked about it before on the show, and I think we talked about it with Nate. It's like the young girl who was a victim. She was trafficked for a while. Uh, her parents got her back. They put her back in public school, and then she was being abused in the school. Mm-hmm. And the school didn't do nothing about it. She was being basically violated in the school by other students, and the school ended up kicking her out. Yeah. Because they're like, well, but she's Disgusting. used to this sort of stuff, so she's the problem. Well, and, and the— It's like, how, how, that's the direction we're going with? Is that because she was being tra- trafficked as a child? This girl was only 15. When she went back to public school. So it's not like she's 18, 19, 20 in college. This is, which is still bullshit. But to say a 15-year-old girl is used to being used sexually, so it wasn't the boy's fault that they kind of coerced her to having sex with them. It was her fault. Well, and the other problem is you've taken a girl who is Im- becomes accustomed to being traumatized. Yes, and, and she's. There's she no other doesn't, way to say it. Well, she doesn't. D- does is that what she associates? Um, is that what she associates affection or? Or it gets to the point where she disassociates. Per, well, her part that from anything. Is that the way she's wired to respond to someone who she thinks is being kind to her? The only way that she can reciprocate is with positive that. feelings is. Or any kind of kindness is with that because that, of yeah. how she's been but rewired, right? I also read from the victims how they become so disassociated with sex because it's just yeah, it, it becomes just it becomes there. just a physical thing. It's just there. I have to deal with this dude for however long. He's done. He moves on, and I, she they just disassociate because a lot of these victims then. They have problems becoming intimate later on in life with someone they care greatly about because it was nothing about intimacy or love. It was just yeah. an act. <clears throat> so it, and, you know, but that's how the school district dealt with it. 
and you see it we see it here locally we've seen it in our you know statewide countrywide that it's the victims it's funny we we have this whole idea of we, you see these idea of always believe the women uh women's rights women protect the women you know uh you know all this you know and then as soon as a young lady says so-and-so raped me in school you better shut up we're going to silence you how dare you talk about it oh that's you know it's like okay so which is it believe all victims or only believe the victims that don't cause you a problem because as soon as it becomes a problem for the school district they expel they can they'll expel these young ladies whether they were the victims or not well but they're becoming what was one district said that the young lady was becoming a deterrent from education because people were seeing her as a victim and and, and they didn't since they didn't kick the, the boy out who did it it was taken away from his education because people were mad at him because of what he did it's like so they expelled the young lady it's like so the victim gets shit on multiple times because the perpetrator if i starts violating his privacy and his right to an education yeah. so we're going to take away her right from an education so that the the perpetrator can get hit johnny's not going to get his football scholarship if we yeah. continue to uh yeah. investigate this or whatever the horse shit is yeah, how dare you to say the captain of the football team raped you? <laughs> Even if he did, how dare you talk about it? Yeah, that's sketch. Well, but it's always sketch. I mean, we've well, we've, yeah, we've, Virginia's been dealing with that for a while now because you know you see what happened. You know, in Northern Virginia, where the parents of one of one victim spoke up and they had him arrested. Yeah, and then try to get a gag order put on him. Well, and then, you know, trying to charge $100,000 or whatever for a record search yeah. to, and all that. Because they don't want you to see it. Yeah. Oh, we're, we have to charge you this much money and this much money. And then when it does, when some people are able to actually pay the outstanding fees, then they try to block it in court. Oh, well, we actually don't want to release any of this. Well, you said if we pay you $87,000, mm-hmm. yeah. you give it to us, and here's the $87,000. Oh, well, we actually, uh, well, uh, well uh, we're not going to do it. We're going to go to court over this. So, okay, so you, you, you gave us that number because you figured it'd scare us, and we were able to raise the money, and now you don't want to now give it to us. Now you don't want to do it, period. So, but as I always, we've always said, and I continue to say, pay attention. Guardian Group is putting out some really good information on what to look for. Like, if the young girl doesn't, if this young lady doesn't seem to belong there, if someone's kind of pushing her along, Especially if you're traveling and you're in a hotel or you know in a public area, if you see a young girl, especially a young teenage girl with a older gentleman, yeah, or they they're talking about brands, you'll see these tattoos on yeah. these young girls, and typically it's an invisible spot: their neck, behind their ear, on their hand. You'll see a kind of a almost like a brand. Crowns are very popular; a different version of a crown. And these guys brand their girls. And things need to be done. And as a society, it's like we're, we're pretending. We want to get really, really loud and stuff. We, we see it in politics where they get really, really loud when it, they think it affects the, the opposite team. But as soon as it affects someone on their team, they pretend like it doesn't matter. Yeah. 
and we see that a lot. And I'm, I'm, I've been on, I've bashed on it before, and we'll continue to. When you see these groups get up here and shout and carry on and blame people and say women now and believe the victim, and as soon as a victim comes forward and accuses someone that they like or might Support be on their or, side, yeah, then they shut it down. And apparently, it doesn't matter. I mean. These same, some of these same women who are screaming uh, outrageous stuff about one person are the same people who defended Harvey Weinstein. The same groups that yep. defended Epstein. Same groups that were friends with Giselle Maxwell. We got like we we talked about the other week. Giselle Maxwell got less time in prison than R. Than Kelly. R. Kelly. And she's being sent to a very very Just, cool little resort to spend the rest of her life. Just so we're just so we're clear, we're not saying R. Kelly should get less time. Yeah, we're, we're just, saying the opposite. I'm, just, I'm actually thinking she should have got. Yeah, I'm saying R. Kelly gets 30 years, which he deserved, but she only got 25. Yeah, it's like so. One of the biggest portrayers of what we would consider sex trafficking gets less time than a dude who who did some pretty hinky stuff who deserves his time. But it's like, where's the balance there? Where's these groups out here screaming about equal rights? They're not attacking her. And where is the arrests being made off of her list? Where's the FBI raids on that? Where are the people being rolled up on this? Yeah, we've talked about that in the past. You know, like I said, my, my Pollyanna view is it of it is I hope that they're you know, the feds are moving in the background and you know, doing all the all with that. What's stuff, coming out this week with what the FBI is doing? I don't think. They I don't are. think so. I don't think so either. Which is that? That's the really sad part because it's like there's there's got to be act, actionable intelligence coming out of the out I of think, that I trial. I think it's and, I think it's some crap that is so high level and such big names. Yeah, that nobody wants to touch it. It's it. radioactive. I mean, it is. That list is radioactive. It's going to go in somebody's. The safe in somebody's office, and then you know, in uh, 50, 60 years, we'll find out who was on that list. Yeah, it'll. Yeah, I think that's probably what's. Gonna I think happen. it's if, and, if that there, it doesn't. And the idea will be well, they're trying to protect us from ourselves. Or there'll be a gas leak yeah. at that building, and yeah. it'll all blow up. But, oh, gee, the list was in there. Now it's gone. Yeah. Oh, everybody on that list is because the only people they've ever actually talked about being on being involved or were already dead and been dead for a long time. Yeah. Or, yeah, like Errol Flynn or some... And that which, which is stupid because Errol Flynn was dead before Epstein was born. Yeah, exactly. Or, like, Epstein was in diapers. So it's like, no, Errol... Or Walt Disney. Walt Disney was dead before, before this. So, you know, it's like, if you're going to put a list out, make sure you at least put it out so it's believable. Yeah, right, exactly. Like... Well, Benjamin Franklin was on the list, and just like you know, people, you know, people do Photoshop and they'll put different people's faces on stuff and claim, "Well, look, these people were together," and the people believe it. It's like, no, that's not true. That's a this picture they just changed faces. Photoshop, man. The deep fakes are getting so good, good. though. It's really getting it's gnarly. really getting gnarly with how to tell what's what and misdirection. You give somebody a little leak, and then it goes crazy on social media and Twitter and everybody starts saying what they believe it doesn't matter if it's actually true and even if they change and, and make an announcement and make tell you no no that's not actually what happened this is people don't care because I saw it on Twitter 
It's all about the lizard men. Yep. The this lizard this men. is what really happened. Even if that's not, even if they the official statement is the exact opposite, it doesn't matter because that's what I saw on Twitter. But with that, we'll call it a day. We've been going yep. at it pretty good. Been rolling good. So we will be back next week yep. uh, with another show. We are. This is episode ninety-one. So we're we're on the roll to episode one hundred. I think one hundred. I think we're going to have to do one hundred outside on. I think we should do one hundred on the deck at your house, where we can have our wives babysit us. <laughs> and I make sure either I can, because my wife is like, I can either drive you home or. We can just let you two sleep. It's like, <laughs> it's like good idea because it depends on what we get into because our 100th, we're, we're probably going off the rails. Yeah. We're probably going to crack a bottle of something and get to it. Yep. So fasten your seatbelts. That's a couple episodes away. but We'll have to have a warning on that one. Yeah, that one will have to be a warning. That that might be a 24-hour We got to go show. live. We got to go um, live on YouTube with that one. That'll be or, fun. Yeah, go live on like Instagram for a few minutes with that one. That would be entertaining. We'll figure that out. Yeah. But until next week, you've been listening to Rolling Rocks Radio. Thank you very much for joining. He's Jerry Armitrout. Later. I'm Scott Barker. We're out. The music for tonight's episode was But I Am Shafts of Light by Mayeth from their album Wailingville.